What's up, gang? This is Food Network star and culinary master of the Marvel Universe, Justin Warner, and you are listening to the podcast that's everything you ever wanted but never asked for. You know it. PSVG Prime. Now that that's out of the way, and where we dropping, boys? Hello, everyone. Welcome to PSVG Prime, the flagship show of the PSVG Podcast Network. As I, your host, Kevin, and of course, with me as always, is the Wolfgang Puck to my guy, Fieri, Mr. Lucas Rose. What's up? What's up? What's up? I just realized I shouldn't have gone with Wolfgang Puck because you don't really cook, you bake. Yeah, but I mean, so. he makes like all those gadgets and, and stuff, right? So, I mean, something in there's probably got to, or at least he has all those gadgets. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's branded. He's paid. <laughs> That's true. Speaking of chefs, if you recognize that voice, returning for probably, I don't know, the seventh or eighth time at this point, Food Network star, chef, chef of heroes, heroes of chefs, uh, ninja foodie engineer, spokesperson for South Dakota beef, uh, eat the universe. I mean, I don't know what else you want to throw in there, but uh, you know him and you demanded that he come back and he much obliged. Chef Justin Warner. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be on the the flagship uh, cast here, um, especially after recording the intro for it. I hope that's not a spoiler for the listeners. Oh, no, no. They've heard it. They've heard the last couple of weeks. So people people know that this was coming. I I will say I looked up because I I had to check and and you're easily the the most frequented guest of the show uh, in the five year span we've been going. But I looked it up and your first appearance uh, as of next month would have been three years ago. Wow. Time Which, really flies, huh? Yes. That's yeah. what I was thinking. I'm like, man, it does not seem like that. And if you think in that span of time, uh, this show is now up to episode 240. You were on episode 101 was the first one you showed up on. Wow. Million listeners we have now at this point. Over a million listeners at this point. You've gone on to do Guys Grocery Games, multiple judge appearances, multiple you know participant victories there. You traveled the country in a Winnebago. You've now moved into a new location after leaving New York. You've helped design the Ninja Foodie. You've written two cookbooks since then. Um, Eat the Universe launched into like full seasons at that point. Dude, what haven't you done at this point? Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have my own game show yet, which is kind of a bummer because yeah. I've always I've always liked game shows and I, I would like to host a game show eventually. Um, but that being said, I was actually just talking with my wife about this, uh, that I feel as though I've gotten so much stuff done in the past couple of years and, yeah. and like lived so gosh darn hard um, that maybe I should just, I don't know, like chill out for a minute and maybe do something more, um, you know, uh, how do I explain this? More tangible, something that's more, uh, you know, like take a course or I uh, get a degree in something or become a weatherman. I, I don't know, you know, like become a weatherman. Yeah. Just, just something else to kind of like, um, you know, what if food stuff is no longer cool or what if I get burned out? You know, maybe I want to be a weatherman, you know, the weather is always going to be around, right. Regardless of pandemics, people are still going to know, like need to know like what's going on with that cloud over there. 
you know? <laughs> and I often find myself wondering, like, what's going on with that cloud over there? <laughs> and so I feel like it'd be helpful to know those things. You'd be able to answer your own questions. Well, I mean, you could always try for Lego Master Season 2 once the pandemic's over. Maybe you could do something oh, with yeah. that. <laughs> I, you know, I'd love to be a guest on there because I think those 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 builders are far better than I will ever, oh, right, ever right. be. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think a food-themed episode would be so awesome. wonderful. And if you follow Lego's Instagram, man, um, they have some really creative stuff in there, like people building uh, cocktails, mm-hmm. but like in cocktail videos, stop-motion cocktail videos out of Lego, and it's just like, boom, you know? It's it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, at this point, though, you should – like you said, you've done a ton in the last couple of years. And, and reminder for everybody, as Justin says, take a course or get a degree. We have to remember, Justin's not a classically trained chef. <laughs> That's the crazy part. Out of all you've done, it's been, you know, by getting your hands dirty, really. It's not, you know, nobody taught you. I mean, you've learned, of course, but you haven't been traditionally taught. Yeah, that's weird. And it's weird to me sometimes to think that, um, you know, companies like readily pay me for my uh, insight on these sorts of things. But sometimes I think that, you know, it's, it's in the training that you start to like lose a little bit of your own way, you know, of doing Hmm. things. And I think that, you know, when everybody's doing the textbook version of something, even the textbook version of pushing things forward, how, how do you get that outside information? And so really what I think, like Ninja, um, and spoiler alert, we got some things, more projects coming up with them. Ooh. But like Ninja as a company, I think they just call me in to kind of shake up their um, routines. Because, you know, as a corporation, you get in into a routine and you get into a mode and people mm-hmm. want to see projects come to fruition because it means they all get to keep their jobs. And, you know, if your goal is to make something, you want to see the end of it. But oftentimes, you know, you get so wound up in the yes, 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 let's make it happen, make it happen, that you might make a mistake somewhere. You know, like the fact that competitive electronic pressure cookers uh, don't have the surface area to brown four uh, hamburger patties in the bottom, whereas the Ninja Foodie sure does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, I, I abuse my foodie at this point. Like, like you encouraged me to get one, and I got one. I've used it ever since. Like, even today, I was like, all right, let's 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 do something in the foodie because it's it's way too hot here up in New England right now. The humidity is super high. So I was like, the foodie doesn't irradiate that much heat, so it's easy to cook with. So I took hot dogs, and I, I split them down the middle. Ooh, I like where you're going with this. And I stuffed them with sharp cheddar cheese. Whew. Then I wrapped it in bacon. And I tossed it in the foodie air fryer for 20 minutes. Yeah. And I bet you came out like this perfectly cooked, crisp everywhere, molten in all the right places. And you did nothing. Exactly. It you was walked glorious. Away for 20 minutes. I love even, it. Even my five-year-old was like, Daddy, this is really good. I like this hot dog. And I'm like, all right, don't expect it all the time. But yeah, <laughs> it was it was incredible. And you wouldn't think to do something like that. Like I would sit there and you think cooking has to be something that that's, that's hard. And it, it doesn't have to be. And I think that's kind of where your innovation and, and your like participating in foodie is just thinking about the simple things in a different way to get better results. And I think that's why it works. That partnership works. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, man. Um, my goal is to, to get people jazzed about the fact that if you have a kitchen, you have a place where you can be uh, creative. If anybody's a, a fan of the work that I've done thus far, or my cookbook specifically, you know, I, I look at cooking as being like, you know, this endless edible Rubik's cube, you know, and like, I'm never, ever going to get all the colors to line up perfectly, but sometimes you can get really close, you know, and it sounds like you got awfully close with that hot dog today. It was good. It was good. Um, 
But before we get too far in the food world, because we don't like to only talk to you about food, we'd like, we'd like you to be able to express your other hobbies here. So let's talk a little about video games, what we've been playing. Yes. Um, so I'll go first. I don't have much to talk about, but Lucas and I actually overlap uh, with one of them. So I'll go first. I'll transition to Lucas and we'll end on you, Justin, because I think I can speak to what you've been playing if I know, because you asked me for a recommendation. And if you've been playing that, we can talk about that for sure. It's true. Um, first thing I, I actually just released my review of was the remake of uh, Destroy All Humans uh, came out. Um, so I wrapped that up this past week. Um, for those of you not familiar, Destroy All Humans was a game initially on the PS2 where you play as, as an alien crypto. And it's basically like an early primitive Grand Theft Auto uh, but you're a space alien instead. So you wreck havoc in a sandbox. You hop in your saucer and blow up neighborhoods, and everything like that. This this remake, I will say, is, is done quite well. THQ did something smart. Uh, they took a dead franchise. Uh, well, I would have loved to have a new sequel. Uh, they slapped a new coat of paint on the old one uh, and visually looks really great. The grass environments looks way better than it used to. Uh, colors pop fantastically. The, the hiccups, though, and you can read my full review, uh, gamesreviews.com, is the repetitive nature of the game is still there because we have to remember it's a PS2 game that they just updated the graphics on nothing else. So it still Mm -hmm. has a lot of repetitive nature. You're repeating the same kind of missions over and over again. And Lucas, that audio issue I told you from the demo. Yeah. Still there. So the issue, Justin was they use the original voice clips from PS2. Oh boy. So they like dot wave files, right? (laughs) Exactly. So it was super compressed and I was playing with headphones on. So it's probably even worse. Uh, in that regard, it, it just sounded really old and, and dated. But the problem is, is Crypto's uh, leader, uh, Pox, is voiced by the same guy who does Invader Zim. So I freaking love his voice acting, but everything else sounded really bad because it just sounded like such compressed audio that it wasn't it wasn't great. So for those of you that remember the game, it's definitely worth playing and revisiting because it was fun. Uh, that sandbox mode of just being able to tear up the neighborhoods and towns, you know, uh, steal some cows, probe some people. Uh, all good fun there, but uh, if you're new to the series and haven't played, I would say wait for a major sale because it unfortunately doesn't age as well other than the visuals are really good. The second game, which I actually got to play with Lucas briefly, is uh, Rogue Company. So I don't know. Have you heard of this one, Justin? I have. Um, I, I saw it flash up on the uh, Epic uh, store the yeah, other day, yeah. mm-hmm. and I, I also heard that maybe it's coming to Switch. Is that correct? It is actually. So the game is currently in closed beta. Uh, you can buy like founders packs to get access to the game now, but it will be free to play when it, when it leaves beta. Um, it's basically a four versus four. I don't want to say it's like overwatch, but like the, the formula is, is similar. You have your hero shooter. Each different character has a special ability that they can use. Not as like OP as something an overwatch would be, or as essential. Like you can play the game without using your ultimate ever. Yeah. Um, but it's a tactical, you know, four versus four matchup where either you try and control an area like King of the Hill esque, um, or you plant a bomb and you have to detonate a bomb in an area before the, the, your opponents disarm your bomb and basically wipe your squad out. Um, it's, it's like it's, overwatch meets counter-strike is the way yes. I look at it. Yeah. And that's it's FPS. Uh, first person, third person, third, third no, person. Third. Yeah. yeah. Third. Okay. Curious. Interesting. So, so looks, looks like Fortnite. You have that over the shoulder kind of look. Got it. Got it. That got Fortnite it. does, but there's there's a unique cast of characters. I think this is like twelve or something that you can unlock uh, in this beta. Um, so they all have unique like playabilities. Like I like to play as Glitch, who he's like a hacker. Who, if you have the the big player, what's the name of the tank? Is it Anvil Lucas Anvil, the, the big yep. guy? So he can drop down this massive shield that kind of like blocks ev- all the bullets and stuff like that. Well, if I play as Glitch, I can kind of watchdogs 
the game and basically you hack his shield and it'll actually cause it to explode on him and allow wow. your team to kind of just rush through. And there's a couple people that can put like landmines around that I can disarm those as well, make them blow up, or I can actually hack the opponents, which cause them to kind of like glitch and they can't move for a minute. So we can just kind of rush them and take them out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun for, for a beta game. It's, it seems pretty promising if the player base is there or it continues to be there. It's, it's, I think it's fun, uh, romp, especially if it's going to be free to play is even better, but, uh, yeah, it looks, it looks pretty promising and I think it'll only get better from here. Um, but I just kind of want to see what other game modes they have. They're going to add additional things in there. It seems ripe for like a battle pass kind of thing. Cause there are cosmetics and stuff, uh, that you can unlock. So I think it's going to take that Fortnite formula there, but it plays more like counter-strike than anything else. Curious. Well, I'll have to check that out because, um, you know, I'm a big uh, Overwatch junkie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest, I haven't played a ton of, of Overwatch as of late, uh, just simply because, like, I there hasn't really been a whole lot of change to it or, or update to it that's mm. drawn me back. Um, because otherwise, I'm just going to play the kind of the same thing yep. over and over, um, which I love. You know, it's a it's a perfect thing. But it seems like that might be able to scratch like that mini tactical itch that mm-hmm. I occasionally have. Um, so yeah, I'm going to have to check that out. That sounds great. Do you know if it's going to be cross platform? Because it, been... oh, it, it is. Oh, it is. Al- it is already. Lucas, was, you were playing on PC, right, Lucas? Or yeah, but I also read somebody said that you don't get matched with somebody on PC unless you have somebody in your party that's on PC. So if I'm playing on switch, I'll only get matched with other console people. I don't know if that's going to stay the, the, that way, but it probably will. Cause I mean, Fortnite does that now too. Fortnite (laughs) does the same thing where you can partner with people on PC, but it won't automatically drop you on PC unless you have somebody in your party that's on PC. Yeah. Cause that mouse and keyboard. Yep. Yeah, it's so annoying. I'm the only person with a gaming uh, PC that I regularly play with. So it's basically my wife, one of my friends. So, it's bad because I'm the only one on PC. So I force my kind of like my wife, who's just there to fish and my friend who's competitive, but on a PS4 into this lobby of PC players. And we only have three of us. So it's, yeah. it's like the ultimate sweat fest. It's the worst. Oh yeah. But no, the, this, it runs pretty well. Cause Luke was on PC. I was on Xbox. Was Jason playing on switch? When yeah, we played? So, yeah. so we were playing on three different consoles at the same time we were playing together and it, it worked well we didn't have any glitches or anything um voice chat we didn't do but we could because we could just use like discord or something like that for it um but yeah it seems to be pretty promising and i i think it'll hopefully get better with time but yeah it seems pretty cool uh, off the bat and the, the the unique thing you have too is is the better your team performs in each round uh you'll get more cash and in between each round you kind of go back into your drop ship and you can upgrade your weapons so you get like, you know, $20,000, you can spend it to upgrade your machine gun, or you can switch to your sniper rifle for this round, or you can buy extra grenades or special like stealth abilities. So you get that kind of dynamic thing where you can change your gameplay style in between rounds if something just wasn't clicking for your team. I like that. You know, um, there was a game that was in like beta for a little bit. I forget what it was, but it was a, it was a, a, a what do you call it? A battle royale game, but it was like very like 80s or like 90s themed and cash was the main thing and so when you killed somebody you didn't get their gear you got all their cash and the the game disappeared i forgot what it was called but it was um visually it was like super cool and you could like ride bmx bikes and stuff oh huh i'll have to investigate that we'll leave it in the comments below the video yeah yeah yeah. uh lucas what are your your thoughts on rogue company because that's all i've been playing this week of those two um yeah i mean i'm not really much of a competitively multiplayer person these days but i had been missing kind of that almost like a i used to play a lot of uh nhl games and i kind of missed that competitive sports game or 
shooter sometimes, but I just tend not to be very good at them. Or my biggest hurdle is the learning curve that it takes to get into something like Overwatch, where it feels like you have to play one character for a really long time or go through the whole roster and try to figure out, all right, who am I, who am I working well with? Who's, what is my play style here? I feel like with Rogue Company, some people I've I've read have said that it's a little bit bland, but I think in a way it kind of helps it with mm-hmm. the, the coming in and kind of getting the lay of the land and not having such a steep learning curve because you can come in and draw on just about any game that you've played before and not be out of your element here. Uh, I haven't had an experience where anybody was like, come on, man, what are you doing? You can't figure out what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. Toxic community, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, give it time. Give it time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people. Yeah, exactly. Once more people start playing, it'll be awful. But for now, um, yeah, it's very approachable, and I found that it was uh, pretty easy to swap between characters and just kind of get a feel for it without feeling like I was completely lost. Because that is the most daunting thing for me is jumping into a new game and just getting owned the entire time it's it's uh, for me it very much makes me just want to be like all right i'm just going back to single player games for a while now um but overall yeah completely positive impressions takes me back to my counter-strike days a little bit and even with it being third person it doesn't it it feels pretty snappy on pc actually yeah. it's not like uh, Gears of War, where I feel like there's so much weight and momentum to everything. It's it's actually quite a bit lighter than that, and uh, it feels pretty good to play. So uh, I'm I'm looking more forward to playing more of it and seeing how the game develops and and what they do with it. Because like you said, there's definitely stuff coming down the pipeline as far as changes and stuff. But uh, the uh, simplicity of it, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, I didn't even think of that. Like, it's good to have a, a shooter game like this where there's not so much going on. So, like, yeah, it might yeah. be bland when you compare it to something like Apex or, or even Fortnite to an extent, but you got to remember, and, and I mean, Justin knows, like, Fortnite got to a point where there was just way too much going on. You had the giant robots, you had golf carts, you had regular cars. Yeah. You had, it was just way too much going on. They, they scaled it back when they released the chapter two or whatever. This seems to be like they're starting at a base thing where, yeah, there's there's bonuses, there's perks, there's ultimates, but it's not so crazy. It's not so hard to follow what's going on that I, I feel it's pretty accessible to really anyone that has played a shooter at all. Yeah, it's kind of somewhere between Counter-Strike being like all you do is buy weapons and stuff yeah. and Call of Duty where you do have some perks and stuff, but mm-hmm. nothing seems too overpowered right now. But I'm sure people will find a way to to, you know, exploit something, I'm sure so. Well, yeah. I like the idea too of it being um, a four-man team. You know, I sometimes with mm-hmm. Overwatch, like six is just—I mean, it's twelve things happening. That's a lot. Each of them are <laughs> yeah. different, right? Like mm-hmm. that's a, an awful lot to keep track of. And like, I can still follow the Overwatch League well, um, but even like if I show that to like a normal human being, that they would be like, "What is going on? Are you like, are you yeah. on drugs? How do you follow this?" Because it's just so intense. And like, if you don't know, think about then how many like audio cues there are in a game like Overwatch. Like, oh God. It's got to be in like the multiple hundreds per match, right? Where you're mm-hmm. you're hearing all it's of that stuff. Noon. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm just getting old or something. I like four audio cues, damn it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> nice. Um, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so what else have you been playing? 
Oh yeah. Uh, so as far as anything else, uh, I, I booted up that grounded game that you talked nice. about a little yep. while ago, uh, that came out a couple days ago as of recording today. Yeah. And, uh, Mostly, okay, so again, I kind of wanted something that might be okay to play with my son in the room because especially now he's he's with me a lot more often, even during the times I come downstairs to play something. So I was but like, is, oh. is he afraid of bugs though? Because, um, not really, no, <laughs> okay, good because um, that those spiders, man, <laughs> he likes some, and yes, the spiders, okay, so we'll, we'll get there. Because, <laughs> okay, yeah, it took a little bit of a turn, sure. So, grounded is like a survival crafting game, it's it's in beta or early preview or whatever they want to call it, uh, basically early access. And it's honey, I shrunk the kids in a backyard. So you're in this backyard and you've been shrank, shrunk for some reason that it kind of glossed over. I don't know if they have those like assets done. Oh yeah. I don't know. Are, it, it becomes evident as you play, but there's no cut scene that shows you like why you're suddenly tiny. Um, and so you're in this backyard and you can kind of see in the, uh, after you've been shrunk in the background, you see houses and really large trees and stuff. So you get kind of a lay of the land and you realize, Oh, I'm in this backyard, this backyard. And, uh, you go out and you start collecting stuff and getting crafting recipes and having to eat and drink to survive. And normally that would be a little bit daunting for me because we've seen a lot of that so far. Mm. Um, that was a, I don't know if it's still a trend, but that was a trend for uh, the last few years, it seems like, uh, but it looks really good. And, you know, you the first thing you notice are all of these insects kind of, all over the place and it's so alien but familiar at the same time so it's kind of intriguing in that way because you're seeing everything from a new perspective and it looks completely different but then you're like oh i recognize that ant i recognize that uh sand tick or what whatever it is and uh they all behave pretty interestingly they each seem to have their own sort of behavior behaviors for instance the aphids at first i was like what is this little green thing yeah. but it, it skitters around and it's called an aphid and it will run away from you as soon as it sees you whereas the uh, spiders which are completely huge and just menacing and very scary looking especially because the eyes of the creatures hmm. uh will turn red when they start attacking something even if they're attacking each other so even uh like you'll see a ladybug which oh cute it's a ladybug but then all of a sudden its eyes turn red and it's making this awful like groaning noise while it attacks a worker ant or something and you're just like is this going on in my backyard right now this is some horror movie stuff what is going on as my you know four-year-old son is sitting right next to me being uh <laughs> being scared of everything open mouth like He's like, I'm never going outside again. Uh, so we're playing this game and he's, he is loving it at the time. And he's watching me craft stuff and kind of figure out what, what little story there is so far in this game. And so we're following kind of the tutorial slash cues that they give you. And I stop for a second because I'm, I've collected a bunch of stuff. It's time to start crafting some stuff so I can get my inventory cleared out a little bit, you know, upgrade my armor or whatever, get, get a weapon. And so I'm looking at in through my inventory and I'm standing in front of this large Oak tree and there's all these roots that kind of 
uh, go in and out of the ground and create a lot of these almost like tunnels or mm -hmm. overpasses and stuff. So I'm standing on the ground in front of one of these roots that are creating this type of tunnel thing. And I'm going through and I'm looking through everything. And all of a sudden I hear the noise of an insect that's creeping around because you can hear it. And I've got the speakers going and everything. So you can kind of hear where oh, they're coming geez. from. And so I back out and all of a sudden out of this dark tunnel where this, this tree or uh, root is, this spider comes charging out at me with red eyes and my son and I both just like, ah, you know, scream at the same time because we weren't expecting it. You know, we're just have that creeping sense of dread. And so like these, this game can kind of be scary, even though traditionally it's not really what you would think of as being scary, but there are times where you just, you get that tension of being hunted by these spiders, you know, that it will turn night and all of a sudden you're, you're left to like kind of hide out or mm -hmm. else you're facing all of the the nocturnal creatures that are hunting around the yard and uh it becomes a completely different looking game at that that point and so yeah i don't know it, it it seemed a lot cooler than i thought it was going to be when i heard that it's this crafting survival game um there's these scientific elements where you find these um laboratories and you can research some of the stuff that you pick up and you're learning about why there's these miniature laboratories in your backyard. Uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to some of the story content that will eventually come. And I think that mix of survival crafting game plus an actual story to kind of lead you along will be a nice change of pace because I, I haven't seen too many uh, games that have that, both of those things. Usually it's just like, it's an MMO that's survival crafting, and then you get No Man's Sky or that Conan game or <laughs> Conan Exiles. Oh, God. With the Dawn so, Sliders. Yes. So there is multiplayer in this, but it's more of a uh, four-player multiplayer type game as opposed yeah. to 64 people in a server or whatever. So, uh, yeah, surprised by that one. And, of course, it's on Game Pass, so that, mm -hmm. that makes it uh, the, the entry a little bit easier there. Uh the other game I've been playing, and I don't know why I chose to finally play this. So I got yeah. the game from the library. And to add into the many JRPGs that I have decided to start for whatever reason, mm -hmm. uh, I started Xenoblade Chronicles, the the remastered yeah. uh, version. I got it from the library, and uh, I really just started it. I think I played less than 10 hours so Wait a minute. far. You have a library where you can get games? Yeah. Yeah, yeah this hey. is a thing. Where do you live, bro? <laughs> uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Apparently, we have the best libraries out there and nowhere else because I'm learning that nobody else really. Some play, some people have said they can rent like older games, but yeah, they have a complete library, if you will, of newer games. They always get the newest stuff in. It's not always right away. Uh, for instance, I'm still waiting on something that just came out, uh, a Switch game that just came out, but it's been a month but they'll get it within the month of release i think wow yeah yeah i feel it's, it's a thing if you, if you research justin cause like we have it in new england as well if you look at like if your state has like the the library network where they can ship like books back and forth right. if you search some of them will have games maybe not the one closest to you but another one will mm -hmm. and they'll transfer them to you to go pick up at your local branch so if you look it's similar to like how the movies work at the library when you see those things too but some of them have games it's not every library in my experience but a lot of them have them and it's it's hit or miss what they're they have but it's a good way to pick up those games you're like hey I'd like to play that but I also don't want to spend 60 bucks on it 
Yeah. Ooh. Okay. They feel, they feel my my Switch library basically. Yeah, exactly. That's the only console I have, and it's like every game comes out at sixty dollars, and I'm like, well, I'm not gonna buy every game at sixty bucks, but. Yeah, uh, I've been very hashtag blessed to be able to <laughs> have that in my life. Um, but yeah, I've just really just started Xenoblade Chronicles. So I don't have much to say other than it it feels very familiar having only really played uh, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and then coming to this. Yeah. Um, although I do think I do think, you know, a game is good when you get to the armor vendor very first very first shop in the game you get there you're looking through and trying to figure out all right what can i buy because it's an rpg you're not going to get much you get like wooden armor or whatever nothing even made out of metal uh but they did have a bikini even though i didn't have a female in the party Mm -hmm. you know it's a good game if you have a bikini uh available to you so i purchased it because (laughs) you never know when you're gonna need a bikini right but uh, I figure it is beach season. Exactly. There's going to be some other people in the party. I did try because I, <laughs> I had to know, can I wear it? Can I, can my male character that I started with wear the bikini? And sadly, no, you cannot wear it. Oh. So I had to, I had to keep it for the first female that joined the party. I well, didn't apparently the cool thing to do is, is you have to have Shulk run around in underwear the entire game anyway, though, from my understanding, that's what everyone tells me. Oh, not just me doing that then? No, no. I talked to Garrett from Nintendo Shack. I'm pretty sure that's the only way he played. Like every screenshot he posted was Shulk in his underwear. I mean, we see that in Smash too. So that that's the thing. Apparently, it doesn't matter what armor you have. He just needs to run around in his underwear. Apparently, it's true. You can switch it cosmetically to yep. whatever you want it to look like. See? And uh, I mean, that's what makes the most sense to me. If I was going to go adventuring, it'd be in my underwear because you want breathability, movement. Just makes the most sense. I mean, that's how I do my adventuring now. So right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, unfortunately, the problem is I started this after it's already due back to the library. So I don't know why I decided to oh, start God. it now. But uh, I figure be, with with COVID and everything, they hold everything that you return for 96 hours. So they're not too worried about you got like people bringing things back in a timely manner. So I'm kind of like, well, maybe I can just fast track it and at least get enough into it to know would I purchase this game? Because I, mm. I consider doing that with Xenoblade Chronicles too. Right. Right. So well, a kind of a benefit though, is you get the save data, you know what I mean? So like if, if, if it saves to console as opposed yeah. to cartridge, you know, like which all of them do now, right? Yeah, like pretty yep. much. Yeah. I mean, that's great because then you, if you were to rent it or fi- find it at a flea market or something like that, you know, you can come back in and, and pick up right where you left off. Exactly. Exactly. And in the, in these games, it's not unusual for me to stop for maybe even upwards of a month and then come yeah. back to it. That's what I did with Dragon Quest Eleven. So, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've picked up and put down Dragon Quest Eleven probably <laughs> I don't know twenty five thirty times. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. Like, you it's just like do no it. time passed at all. You just come back to it, and well, that game has that really handy screen that tells you exactly what's been happening. Like it's a like it's a tele- television serial. It's just like. When we left off, yeah, (laughs) exactly. You're like, oh, thank you, game. This ridiculous thing happened in Dragon Quest XI. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So, uh, yeah, more uh, JRPG journeys for me. Uh, So add it to the other backlog of things that I've started for whatever (laughs) reason. It won't finish. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. All right. So, Justin, what have you been playing, sir? Well, I'm going to give you, like, the big big update, like, since COVID, because – 
my like gaming habits have had to change dramatically because of this. So I was in Mexico um, when mm -hmm. Animal Crossing dropped and also when COVID was like, you know, no longer a meme or something to make fun of. And mm -hmm. so I was primed um, in that I was like nervous about Internet connection and stuff when I was in Mexico. So I had everything downloaded and ready to go well in advance. And so, boom, I got Animal Crossing. I was prepared to stay in Mexico. We were in a beach town uh, until infinity. It really didn't matter. And I was pleased <laughs> because I had Animal Crossing. So no problem. So obviously, I spent a, I've spent a ton of time on Animal Crossing, but less so, I would say, in the past couple of months, um, simply due to the, uh, here at least, it's not as hot as everywhere else, but uh, in South Dakota, where I live, you really got to take advantage of outdoor weather because it, it as quick as it comes, it goes away, you know? Fair enough, yeah. It could be snowing again in September. So I've been doing, actually, I haven't been playing as many games as I would like to, but at the same time, I've been, you know, doing like real life crafting and survival, <laughs> which is kind of fun. Also in my backyard, no giant spiders. Though. Well, some giant spiders, but no red eyes. And hail, giant hail. Yeah, giant hail, giant hail. <laughs> oh, no. Um, oh, yeah, we get some real hail out here. And I, I put it live on my Instagram. Um, people loved it. Uh, anyway, so I started with that. Um, been playing a, I had been playing a ton of it. My, I obviously love Animal Crossing, and I love most uh, Nintendo things. I think my only bummer about this, and I didn't know how I was going to feel about it, but it's now become another one of those games where I only want to play it when there's a new mechanic released or yep. a new patch and then I'll dive back in see how it affects the play style. And then, you know, I'll, I'll leave it alone or, you know, pick it up on, you know, July 31st so that I can get the right bugs and fish that are going to leave. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I kind of like, I'm happy that it is now like going to, I mean, it could potentially have infinite content if it wanted to. Um, but it bums me out that there's no, um, after you get certain things in the game, no spoilers if nobody's played Animal Crossing. Um, after you get certain things in the game, you're no longer really rewarded for the time that you've put into it. Yeah. And that was kind of a hallmark of the older games is that you really had to like, if you wanted to get to like um, that, was that damn axolotl psychiatrist, yep. you know, in the last one, what was his name? Shrunk? Shrunk. Shrunk. Yep. Yeah. Shrunk. Yeah. If you get him, you know, you've pretty much put in so much time into that game. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and he's, even though it's kind of a weird, like, you know, getting getting the emotions from a psychiatrist who wants to be a stand-up stand community. community. <laughs> you know, even though that is, like, completely bizarre, it was still a goal to work forward, look forward to. And now it's just like, okay, cool, well, I'll just pick it up again when the season changes. Or, you know, they just put Dream Suite in, and now you can trip. Okay, neat. You know, I'll pick it up again. Yeah. So then... Let's see. Of course, I've been playing a ton of Fortnite. Um, I I love the splash slurps in yes. the summer. I think it really changes the uh, the mechanic of shielding and healing in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, I think they should be permanent. Um, I was pleased at the new season and getting rid of the spy stuff. The spy yes. stuff started to get a little bit old to me. Um, and just seeing Midas skins everywhere. Like, oh, I think we all went to high school with a Midas or two. Yeah, yeah. And, and, like, I just got tired of getting, like, you know, my, like, metaphorical books slopped, slapped out of my hand as I, like, <laughs> just, I'm just weaseling around, like, you know, Misty Meadows. God, leave me alone. Um, now here comes Midas, you know? <laughs> anyway, he's still there, too. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah, um, I obviously that's kind of like my morning coffee routine is just, uh, you know, getting owned in that. Um, then because everybody was like, hey, Last of Us 2, Last of Us 2, 
I was like, well, I haven't played Last of Us 1, so I played Last of Us 1. Um, beat it in kind of like a weekend. I didn't realize it was kind of that wow. short of an experience. Yeah, the first one is. Um, loved it. Uh, I thought my wife would like it. Uh, she did not. Uh, it was too stressful. Um, she didn't want to play it, but she liked watching it. Watching it. That's what I've heard, too, is there's a lot of significant others like watching, like almost like a movie-esque thing to watch the storytelling, but they don't want to play it. So the HBO yeah. series coming out should be attractive for most people, I think, too. So I like that. I like that a lot. Um, one thing, though, that I... And I played it the remastered version on PS4, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm gonna get this. This is all gonna come around to the big game that I've been playing lately that I I'm absolutely in love with. But there's something weird going on with like character modeling, and I remember this in Last of Us, but also in Horizon Zero Dawn, and I see it in a lot of games where the characters for some reason look like they're like sweating profusely, and I get how in the Last oh, of yeah. Us that's appropriate. But like in Horizon, like you know, every you're like if you're sweating, why are you like wearing furs and stuff? You you freaks, you know. Um, yeah, everybody's so I, wet. Everybody's yeah, always wet. I, I've um I don't understand that, and uh, I wish it would go away because I found it to be very distracting uh, when I was playing Last of Us One. I don't know if that's so present in Last of Us Two, but it, I it just kind of really clicked with me that this is like a trend of uh, how people look, and I'm kind of annoyed by that. Well, if Last of Us Two takes a, a good portion of Last of Us Two is in Seattle, mm. so it, you're just wet anyway because it's raining nonstop. So Got I guess it. it fits it a little bit better. There's a lot of water in in the second one, so it might explain it. But yeah, everyone's still everyone's still pretty sweaty and wet. Yeah. Got it. And I bet that adds to the uh, uplifting storytelling. Yeah. Absolutely, it's a feel good you know feel good <laughs> game overall. Like really. Oh boy. Um. So yeah, I don't know that I'm actually going to play Last of Us Two uh, anytime soon. Um, but I at least know that if I want to play it, uh, you know, I've got the background story for it and I'm glad, glad I played last of us one. Um, I also briefly here and there, uh, and I don't know why this is, but, um, the, what is it called? 51 games collection or something. Clubhouse games. Clubhouse games. Yeah. I freaking love clubhouse games. We talked about that. I forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah. You you convinced me to get it. It's, it's, it is a perfectly serviceable title Mm -hmm. to have for your Nintendo switch. Yeah. I think that it is the kind of thing that maybe should have been installed on the switch to begin with. Yes. But that being said, it's not that expensive. And it's also like the kind of thing where it's like, uh, Hey grandma of these 51 games that I have, do you know any? And like, it's not hard to pick up and play. And it's, I don't know. I, I like have no notes for what it is. Like I thought the, the sound design in it is especially nice. The HD rumble is very gratifying. Um, like I now have a better understanding of how to play various card games. Hanafuda though. Hell no. Never going to no, learn. I, yeah. I still understand it either. I, I'm just, <laughs> I, I guess I'm just dumb. I don't know. Um, I felt that way about president or whatever it's called. Cause that was in the demo. And I'm like, I played the other three games. It was fine. You know, four match or whatever they call it. Connect four. And yeah. then I play this president and I'm like, I'm just pressing buttons. I have no, am I just not getting this? What is going on? Yeah, Why do I but, not understand? You know, that's, that's kind of what I like about it though. Is like, maybe I, I could, if I want to learn uh, Hanafuda via this thing. Yeah. And then maybe I could play it with other people who know how to play the game via this thing. And I don't know of anything else out there that, especially as like, I got it digitally. Yeah. I don't know of anything else out there that is going to, 
be like this old back pocket sort of thing that mm -hmm. anybody can play. I'd say the closest thing to that is maybe like a Jackbox game, you know? Yeah. But even that, even that I feel like can get a little bit too risque too quickly. Like you don't want to play Jackbox game with your friends who don't cuss, you know? Yeah. My God, I played, it's a funny story. I played Jackbox recently because with the pandemic, we were able to play with friends. We host like these Twitch nights and my, my 16 year old daughter joined. <laughs> dude i was embarrassed because she was dropping some things i'm like are you serious right like that was you like you know you don't know what people are answering until it's at the end and then i'm like yeah. you know she'd answer something and she'd be laughing i look over i'm like shooting daggers and i'm like oh my god you know but yeah yeah well the truth uh, the truth really comes out in that my uh in-laws uh who generally tend to be rather conservative um really uh let it all hang out in that game nice <laughs> yeah. it gets wild um so yeah there's that uh then i'm trying to think if there's anything else like a, a little in-betweener that i might have been playing oh this is another one um it's in beta on uh epic store i don't know why i wanted to play it i just did it's called old world um i do know why i wanted to play it because i wanted a game that i didn't have to have a good internet connection um to play it's just like a standalone game you can play uh, and it's like what they call, a, a, I guess, a 4X. And even though I'm a huge nerd, I've never played a 4X game before. And uh, the thing that I liked about this is that it, it has, like, random historical events. And I just kind of enjoyed the, uh, I don't know. I just kind of enjoyed the aesthetic of it. And I don't think that, that aesthetic is any drastically different thing uh, than, you know, Civ games or something. Mm -hmm. um, but... I got my ass handed to me three times in it. <laughs> and then I won with Egypt and I was like, ah, you know, like it unleashed this like monster in me that just wanted to make deals and obliterate Assyria <laughs> and, and like do all of these like global things. So like when the game ended, I was in the top position in terms of having been like the most advanced society, mm -hmm. but I still wanted to annihilate everyone on the map. And mm -hmm. so I think that's a sign of a good game is that even though I had won, it's so fun to obliterate and it's so fun to strategize um, that it was great. I forget how many generations. Um, and that's another thing is you, you're not one ruler. You're constantly reproducing and you know, you can end up with a kid who assassinates you. Uh, you can disown your kid. Oh. Uh, yeah. There are a lot of things it, like I, I'm just scratching the surface of the complex stuff you can do there. Like, you know, three, three uh, plays into the game. I finally realized that like, Oh, like I can uh, align with other computer players. I can sell any resources that I have. And so you can really kind of start to convert the things you don't have into the things you do have. And it's the smart balancing and conversion of your haves and don't haves to make stuff work. And it, so it's very addictive, very addictive. Um, finally, finally, the game that I'm most excited about, uh, and I think a lot of people are most excited about, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, you know, you texted me that you got to play it early yeah. uh, for review, and I didn't know about it, which is dumb, uh, because I should have known about it, because it's <laughs> so so very far up my alley um, that, I mean, I, I really don't know. I don't really, I mean, there are things that I want, I could want more out of it. Uh, there are things that have absolutely blown me away. The fact that like, I'll just leave the game like unpaused, just standing there. And I'm like, this is better. Like I have a Samsung frame TV. Oh yeah. So it's like designed to have like ambient lighting where it doesn't necessarily look like it's powered on the whole time. Mm -hmm. I'll just leave the game unpaused and man, the sound, the visual, it's every game, every, every frame in that game is like so picture perfect. And so this brings me back then to the sweaty models. I think it is. <laughs> 
such a good uh, job in designing uh, the characters, the aesthetics, obviously, and that's all you're going to hear about it. Oh, that game looks fantastic. The game looks fantastic. That's not an understatement. But I think costume, like the costumes in it oh, are yeah. out of control. Um, the upgrades of the costumes that you can get are so addictive to the point where like, I've never wanted, like, I don't really care about aesthetics. My wife, you know, she'll only play, uh, uh, breath of the wild in the chic gear. Cause it's <laughs> the coolest, you know, she could care less about it's like silencing benefits or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me and I'm, I'm like, yeah, but if I combine the barbarian armor with the chic gear, I'll maximize, you know, huh? uh, sort of stuff. <laughs> Min maxing. Yeah, yeah, min-maxing, exactly. Um, so anyway, I'm, I'm just in love with the game. Uh, I think that there's not a whole lot that needs really to be said about it. But if you haven't played it, uh, it's set in uh, 1300s or maybe 1200 Japan. Uh, the Mongols are invading this little island called Tsushima, which is uh, you can still go to. It's actually very close to uh, Korea. And um, it's beautiful. And I think a lot of people have... Uh, you know, a lot of things to say about the historical accuracy of it, because there are some things that are very accurate and other things that are totally not. Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody's ever played Okami uh, and you like the mythology in Okami and you like the storytelling and you like that moment when you're like, holy shit, Susanoo is like a real thing that, you know, people in Japan care about. And like, you know, the 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 cricket, you know, is that's a real guy who wrote haikus yep. in, in Okami. You know, if you're into that stuff, this is like a pipe dream for you. Um, uh, you know, there's not much, I'm only at chapter one. Uh, I just finished chapter one because I just get distracted and don't really care a whole lot about the story. Although I will say there have been some critics that say that the, the main character is not, they're like, he's a boring protagonist. I'm like, eh, 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 excuse no. me. I, I, I beg to differ. There's a scene in the beginning and I don't think this is a spoiler, but there's a scene in the beginning where if you're actually paying attention to the dialogue, which I don't know, is anybody paying attention to the dialogue? Because I'm doing it all subtitles, all in yep. so Japanese audio, English subtitles. Nice, nice. And I think that is the definitive way to play the game. I, you put the Kurosawa mode on, it, which is like a black and white, lower frame rate version. You put that on to entertain your friends or to just show off how cool the game looks. Yeah. Um, but I think you play it in color, but only in Japanese. And that's how I played the Yakuza games. I don't even know if there's an English option in the Yakuza games. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but anyway, uh, there's a, a moment in the beginning of the game where they're like, you know, the wind is your dad and the mm-hmm. song of the birds is your mom. Yep. And so, like, it, with interpretation, Jin, the main character, I mean, is the you can't see wind, but he as a protagonist can see wind and the wind, like, tells him where to go. And, like, these golden birds, like they're only in Jin's peripheral. Yep. Is Jin nuts? I like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like Jin seems to have no problem. Like, and they, they talk to him like, you really seem to enjoy that. And he's like, I swear to God, I don't guys. I really <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah. really hate using the sword. Every time I think about pulling it out and butchering, you know, an entire uh, army of people, um, I hate it. But I actually think that it, and like a lot of Japanese cinema, I think it leaves a lot of motivation and interpretation of the character up to the viewer, and uh, in this case, the player. And so I I have really no bad things to say about it. Things I'd like to see in future DLC, and I don't know that I, they might be in the game. I haven't gotten to it. I'd love to see some 
like a mini game somewhere other than the uh, bamboo strike. <laughs> the bamboo, yeah. But like, if I could learn Hanafuda in that game, whoo! You know, it's already not historically accurate in a lot of ways. Maybe Hanafuda sure. came many years later, but I bet I feel like Shogi might have been invented. I feel like uh, you know Go might have oh, been. Hmm. Anyway, whatever. It would be fun to just like. You know, imagine you could challenge one of your murderous compatriots, you know, into uh, playing a game with you. You could set it up in this beautiful <laughs> field of uh, pompous grass. And uh, that's another thing. Just side note. Um, so, like, last year I spent a month in Japan, which yep. was uh, mind-altering. And uh, really, I kind of, it was like I got the, the firmware update for myself as a human being. And... Um, <laughs> We, we were traveling in Sapporo, so the northern one of the northernmost parts of Japan. And um, there was like this thing. It was like, hey, go check out this pompous grass. And I'm like, I want to go see that grass. And we didn't get to see the grass, but I got to see it in the game. And now there I you go. hide in the grass <laughs> in the game. And it feels great. And like I changed my outfit to hide in the grass, yep. you know, for whatever reasons. Anyway, I love that game. Um, I'm glad you turned me on to it. And uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, I think if this is around one, and, you know, I think a lot of people have also said, and maybe I'm rambling, but I think a lot of people have said, like, well, you've played a game like this before. And, mm. yeah, maybe you have. But here's the thing. I think that the combat in Ghost of Tsushima is far more rewarding, pardon me, and far more uh, validating and exciting to do than in, say, Breath of the Wild. I think that Breath of the Wild is is beautiful. Um and obviously one of the greatest games of all time. But I think Ghost of Tsushima has learned a lot from games that are similar, and I think that they take, they borrow just the right nuggets mm -hmm. from a lot of them. I, I can't necessarily think of sword combat as being more gratifying. Um, I think some of the sneaky kills are, are especially uh, savage and brutal, and the fact that they change as your character levels up. Yep. I think there's just so much uh, to love about it. And every encounter, man, you know, they have the standoff where you're holding the triangle button. Yep. Never gets old to me. I don't nope. know. Yeah, you can call it repetitive. Yeah, sure. Call it repetitive. But like there are plenty of things that are enjoyable yet repetitive. But I feel like that's just like kind of like maybe like game reviewer cop out, you know, and you don't even have to do that either too. Like if you choose to no. be like, I'm sick of standoff, you don't need to do it whatsoever. The game is great in letting you decide how you want to tackle the situation. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think that there maybe could be some improvements on some of the stealth stuff. Um, but also, like, how stealthy can you be, you know, in a game set in 1300s? You're throwing right. a freaking wind chime at people. You know, <laughs> Did you you want a cardboard box, snake, uh, cameras to avoid. You know, I don't know. You know, I don't. But they got a hawks. So I finally got to the place where they got hawks. Oh, basically yeah. Our cameras. Um, They're annoying. Yeah. I love all the side characters. Um I just, yeah, so far so great with that game. And I, I'm just so pleased that, uh, especially that like a lot of Japanese game critics were like, shit, we should have made this. Yep. You know, like, <laughs> wow, well, America did something right. Like internationally, right. like, and we didn't really ruin anything. Oh, it's true. And I mean, you're really going to see too, like the story and Jin's character does ramp up a lot after act one is complete too so you'll see it gets crazier so i think you'll you'll continue to enjoy the ride as you go along well there was a, a betrayal in it that i was specifically um annoyed by and mm -hmm. and kind of deeply i wasn't deeply but you know like as far as a video game can affect me i was like well that really sucks mm -hmm. I, I was because i was very invested in 
let's there's a character let's make that character's situation better and then when that character betrays you i i was just not happy because yeah. i was i was excited about getting this stuff done and and making it right that's another thing and i'm sorry you can edit this out um <laughs> but i love that the quests um are, are divvied up i love the the menu organization of these things and the, and the way that you know the skill tree is not just this like endless yggdrasil of skills but the skills are divvied up in certain areas that you can choose to focus on or not focus on depending on your own strengths and weaknesses as a player but i also love that the quests are divided up into almost like episodes and narratives so once you encounter a character you can kind of experience their entire character arc via their quests all kind of in one go and and you can hunt them down versus like it annoys me in games where like let's say you you know in zelda you progress so far and then uh you know oh there's that dude again you know and guess what yeah. he's, he's stopped collecting this he's collecting this mm-hmm. you know it's really you know it, it gets uh i don't know that just to me isn't as fun i'd rather binge a an entire episode of seeking revenge with an old lady in various locations yep (laughs) you know and and that's i think the last thing i will say is that i think the missions are delightfully episodic where Mm -hmm. i feel like i could watch if that was a five minute instagram video or a 10 minute instagram video i feel like i could watch it and just be like oh man that was great you know like what a cool little episode of this character's never-ending quest to get stuff done yeah and that, that will that will continue too like as you go to act two you'll still have those segmented story sections of revolving around those characters and there may be some additions too to come along but that that theme goes all the way through the game so it's not like you resolve it and it ends that will go right through to the end of the game so it's it's a much it's a great way to tackle the story because you have like the side quests that have nothing to do with the main story you're just doing the right thing by clearing out the mongols then you have the your your uh, sidekicks story components then you have Jin's main components that are going on and it all just fits together so well and it really doesn't matter the order that you do them in either like that it all just ties together beautifully at, at in each act as you complete it yeah i feel like the um another thing that people don't really talk about is so far like i've loved the difficulty like yeah, yeah, I want to challenge some foot soldiers, you know, that are ill-equipped and, like, probably don't need to be challenged. Mow right through them. Absolutely mm-hmm. no problem. But yet, um, you know, every now and then you'll you'll get a guy who's just like – or you'll put yourself in bad position yeah. where you're just getting savaged by, you know, a bunch of people because you screwed up and you, like, didn't realize there are four other guys waiting in the wings. Yep. And you die. And uh, it's – I feel like it's a nice feeling to feel – practically omnipotent with that sword but you make one false move and you're toast yep. and i think that that's a, a very rewarding kind of gameplay thing uh brooke today my wife was um had quite a few questions about a recipe while i was trying to show down in a one-on-one samurai battle and i <laughs> i was like you see when the dot is red i cannot avoid that attack lady okay <laughs> like, okay i need to dodge it like and if i don't i'm going to be in bad position okay so if if you could just see if there's a dot before asking me the question i would really appreciate (laughs) finally i ended up being the guy she was sympathetic um and she also made me enchiladas because she's an amazing there you go (laughs) yeah oh lastly okay and i know i'm rambling about this game but sorry i wish there was a more of a food aspect 
And they, they, they touched on it briefly in, in a way that I thought was delightful. Um, you know, everybody's starving because the island mm -hmm. is invaded and it's an island. So islands in general are kind of tough to live on because you've only got what you've got and you've only going to get what you are going to get traded. Yeah. So anyway, um, I, I like that food is kind of a part of this and that people say, oh, we're getting our resources stolen. But at one point you're tracking some like a family or some thieves or something. And they're like, look, rice, millet. And I'm like, millet? Like, we don't, we don't talk about millet. Like, a lot of people don't know what millet is. You know, like, what are we going to talk about next? Sorghum? Oh, boy. Um, and so I think that some aspect of uh, food would be, like, a little bit more exciting. You know, seeing hmm. Jin eat something or seeing the other characters uh, eat. You know, you'll see the occasional, like, barbecued feral hog in a Mongol camp. Yeah. But I, I think that, um, you know, if there's Ghost of Tsushima too, which there's not going to be, I don't think, it's going to have to be Ghost of some other island. Um, you know, or maybe your son, you're raising your son, uh, tragically, mm. and some other made-up invasion. But anyway, um, I, I think I would like to see that, and I think it would just kind of flesh out the world uh, a little bit better. Because Japan's culture and tradition is so rich, even in like, you know, 1200s or 1300s or whenever it's set, that you know, you could do it. I mean, there's plenty of sake references. You get that yeah. throughout the entire game, but that's about it. That's sake and rice. That's apparently all they eat and drink. So, yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. But I'm nitpicking at that point, and it's only for my own selfish benefit. Hey, that's what we do. We're all selfish here. Right. The theme of the show. All right. So let's let's transition into something that's kind of been big news for you. And that's uh, I have this right here. Oh, you got it. Ooh, Look at baby. it. So I got shiny. it. It is so it's shiny. So shiny. So you shiny. Got powder, powder that book. Um, yeah, I wrote that book. Uh, it's called Marvel's Eat the Universe, the official cookbook. Uh, and it is recipes and more uh, from the uh, show of the same name, which you can find on marvel.com and on YouTube. Uh, it's put out by Inside Editions, and it's available wherever fine books are sold. And uh, if you're not familiar with the concept of the show Eat the Universe, the idea is that uh, Marvel says, hey, uh, make food about superheroes. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, if I'm going to do it, uh, we're not going to be making Captain America cupcakes, you know? <laughs> um, and this has been a, a fundamental thing with me. And the reason that I love working with them is because I said I want to make real food first and have it tied to a Marvel character second. I, I want to see where, where the, the world of food goes when it's influenced by these incredible characters. And what can we learn about food through the characters? And what can we learn about characters through the food? classic example and the, the current most uh, photographed and uh, criticized recipe, uh, at least on uh, Amazon in the review section, is uh, my Captain America recipe. Yeah. It's not a cupcake, my friends. No. It's a beef tongue terrine. Because yes. Captain America is the man out of time. It's all about rationing. And uh, you can learn how to cook beef tongue. If you've never had beef tongue, it's one of the most delicious things on earth. In Mexico, it's kind of like El Rey de los Tacos, kind of like king of tacos, arguably. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, uh, and it is perfect for Captain America because that's the kind of thing that my grandparents, maybe not, you know, the, the TikTokers' grandparents, but my grandparents <laughs> actually ate and my grandma actually knew how to prepare. And I guarantee you, um, Steve Rogers would be like, beef tongue terrine, let's go. 
Yeah, it's it and it makes sense. Like that's that's the biggest thing is like we see a lot of these different, you know, cookbooks come out that are themed after things. And actually your first appearance, we talked about it about uh the episode was named Wookie Cookies because you brought up like I'm not just gonna make a brown cookie and call it a Wookie cookie because it just looks like that. You did not and, and continue even on the the web series to not take that approach. Like you didn't take Black Panther and do something, well, th- here's this black food, so it's Black Panther. It's like no, you you did goat. <laughs> Like yeah, well you know he's East African. I I, I don't right. know. Yeah, to me this seems this is a more maybe it's more of a textbook. But I think what a lot of people are looking for, what I think a lot of people are thinking this book is going to be, is Captain America cupcakes and you, you know I don't know what, what do you even make for Black Panther other I, that's that's the thing for me is like I don't understand what I could make other than East African cuisine, given that's where Wakanda, the fictitious nation is situated. You know, I can't get vibranium infused rhino. I probably wouldn't cook it anyway. So anyway, um, the book though is doing really well and the people that love it seem to love it. And I think that the great thing about this book is that um, it visually and in terms of the text, it's so striking Mm -hmm. that it's one of my favorite kind of things like, you're, you have the potential to learn about how to cook goat and you're doing it via this amazing medium like Black Panther, you know? Exactly. And I, I showed Lucas the book a little bit before we, before we went on the air, before you hopped on. And, and he even said it perfectly because I said the composition of the book, like the pictures are super vibrant. The colors pop. You have the Marvel artwork to go along with it, which is fantastic. And he, he brought up the point that like I was like the texture and the pages are even different. It's it's a coffee table book as well. So, yes, it's a cookbook, but it also passes as like you could just leave this on your table and guests will come over, look, flip through and be like, this looks awesome. First thing Lucas called out was the donuts. Yeah. yeah. On the People front, like I was like, donuts. yeah, it's like it, it jumps right Amazing. out at you, which is which is just awesome. And and like you said, you certainly didn't cop out in the web series, too. If anybody hasn't seen it, Eat the Universe, you can find them all on YouTube, Marvel.com. You don't just cop out and say, OK, here's Deadpool. I'm going to do you know something red like you don't you don't follow that recipe you you think about what the character does where their inspirations where they come from their origins you know phoenix and cable with the chicken and the egg dish like that's perfect like who would think of that and that's that's lends to your creativity and i i was telling lucas too beforehand i don't remember if we said it on air or this was like an off the recording conversation we had i suggested like a year ago that like, Hey, they should take all the eat the universe stuff and put it in a cookbook. And you kind of like wink, wink, nod, nodded that maybe something was happening. And sure enough, a year later, I'm holding it in my hand. So it just makes sense that this is something that's just been so great to see. And it's not just a cookbook of Captain America cupcakes, as you said, and, and the web series doesn't just cop out and do simple, easy things that let's be honest, anybody could do. It's like party favor food is what it makes me think. Yes. It's like what people, the people who just want to make a regular cupcake that's like blue on the inside, haha, and then make a Captain America shield on the top. It's like yeah. the people who are complaining about that are, are are looking for the blog post that you'd find from some mom or something who decorated that cupcake, which is fine. But I I always get annoyed by people who don't know what they're getting into. Mm. It's like, well. I think it makes it very clear that you're not finding 50 different ways to decorate a cupcake in this book. You know, that's another book. This is something elevated a little bit more than that. Well, you know, and I won't even go, I won't even say that one is better than the other. I'm simply saying this was my agenda. And I think it's the reason that the show uh, works well. And uh, I think it's the reason why the book is, like you said, it it could be a coffee table book. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, making a, the the white fish for wilson fisk whose yep. literal last name yeah. means fish fish you know like i i i don't actually think that i'm 
have any talent when all I'm doing is making white fish for a guy whose last name is Fish, and he dresses in white. This to me seems completely obvious, you know, putting avocado on it because of the avocados at law joke. Um, <laughs> anyway, anyway um, yeah, I, I love the book. I'm pleased with it. But I got to give a shout out to um, one Inside Editions for uh, putting it together so beautifully. Uh, they do a lot of um, pop culture cookbooks, and I have a couple of them. And I think that they really uh, broke the bank in terms of the design on this. And then also Marvel was brilliant in that they hired a photographer to take pictures and to document the making of the dishes, uh, hoping that someday we would be able to make a cookbook. And look, now we have all these incredible photos to match all the incredible artwork. And it's just a real honor. You know, it's just a real honor and a real pleasure to be associated with it. And um, it's like, I can't wait until COVID's over and we can start shooting again because... I think there's never been a better time to be a Marvel fan. Uh, some of the books that are coming out right now are just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I can't, I can't wait. Like um, there's a new series called strange Academy. It's kind of yeah. like, it's exactly what you would think. And like, I can't wait to make like Dr. Strange or, you know, just that sort of weird trippy um, kids food. Like I can't wait. Like yeah. if, if you want the kids food, cool. I'll have it. You know, it's going to be orbs and blobs and like, you know, how to make homemade gushers that look like eyes. Oh, you know? God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so that this actually kind of goes to the first question here. So and you touched on a little bit how you don't necessarily think of, you know, oh, I'm going to do a, cap, a cup, Captain America cupcake. So what exactly is your process? Do you sit down and say, OK, I'm going to do a dish on, you know, the Scarlet Spider. So what would that be? Or does Marvel come to you and say, here's a list of characters we'd love to see you do something with. Can you come up with something like what's the process for creating these recipes? So um, it's tough um, sometimes. Other times it's very easy. Other times it's very tough. Scarlet Spider might be tough, right? So Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley, right? Clone. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's kind of, right? I I would say those are like the top two things that you would say about Scarlet Spider. Mm -hmm. I I can't even really think of a third thing because he's pretty much Spider-Man, but Ben Riley and clone from Peter Parker. Um, So we got to do what we got to do. Um, so what are we going to do with that? Uh, you got to think, you got to dive into the comics. You got to look into the source material. You got to, uh, figure out, you know, all of the things that we associate with food, you can kind of pull out of a character. So like location is a big one. You know, it's a fictitious nation, Wakanda, but we do know that it's in East Africa and I can Mm -hmm. roughly approximate, uh, what I know and what other people have reported about the food in that area. It doesn't hurt that I've been to East Africa. Um, you know, uh, I might be able to do something with the idea of cloning. I know that sounds uh, strange, but like, uh, you know, I could, you can clone plants. Um, what if I cloned a tomato plant and, you know, and, and, and I don't know, made pizza. I don't know. You know, it, it's tough. You, you really have to kind of pick and choose your battle of what, what it is that you want to be the uh, defining characteristics. Um, so, you know, you just got to, keep reading source material until something sticks. Um, you know, it, sometimes it's very easy. Silver Surfer, you know, let's, yeah. let's surfer food. Let's dive into the comics and figure out if Silver Surfer ever ate. He did once and he had clam chowder. Uh, <laughs> cool. We're making clam chowder tacos. Clam tacos. Boys. Yep. Let's go. And that's a real um, thing, folks. It's in the book. <laughs> yeah. You know, other people are very difficult. Uh, Frank Castle, uh, Francis Castiglione, uh, the Punisher. You know, wrong side of the law, murderous, um, loves guns, 
uh, is gruff. Probably doesn't shave as much as he could. Um, what do we got to work with there? You know, so we got to dive into Italian roots. We got to look at the uh, the Garth Ennis run where uh, he's in Vietnam. Okay, we're gonna make Italian wedding pho. Mm-hmm. Okay, like we we've done something, and we're now learning about other facets of the character that I don't think a lot of people understand. That like part of the backstory of Frank Castle is that he was not just like he lost his family, but he was like he's always been this like war torn person, mm-hmm. seen the horrors of war, and that's part of it. You know, I don't know, man. It's so that, that is the process. If that seemed like a process and it seemed scattered and seemed disorganized, it's because it is. <laughs> but ultimately, like, I think, imagine how hard it would be to create a new Marvel character. You know, like, oh, God, think yeah. about all the things that have been done. You don't want to do something derivative. You know, if you want to reinvent a Marvel character, I've got it easy in working with food. It's it's the people that come up with new characters that are, they, they've got the hard job, you know? But I will say, I will, lastly, that my job gets easier and easier the more uh, culture is brought into the comics universe. So, like, Agents of Atlas, you know, and, like, having, like, Southeast Asian heroes, that rules. Like, yeah. I love that. That's so great. So, like, that that makes my job so much easier because then I can just kind of explore that world. Um <laughs> But yeah, sometimes it's really tough. But I'm pleased, you know. Like a lot of people don't know Ben Grimm is Jewish, you know. Like yeah. so, we'll we'll make a Yancey Street Kugel that's bright orange, you know, and and looks like it's covered in rocks. It's actually dried apricots. Common thing to put in a Kugel. Hot diggity. We're all learning. Um, so you have the show Marvel Eats the Universe, and you're showing us not only how to make some of these dishes, which as a visual learner, I can appreciate, but you're also, you've got some guests on the show and there's this aspect of the show where it just feels like you're hanging out with your friend. You know, it just feels like you're, you're chilling, you're making something together. It's not just the, okay, now we're going to set the oven to 350 degrees, whatever, whatever. Who's been your favorite guest so far? I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh man. Calling you out. That's really tough. Um, Oh man, um, Chris Gethard was really cool and and fun and um, you know I, I felt as though when Chris was there, um, there was like no real nerd boundary that I could overstep. Oh um, yeah, or, or something. Um, obviously, um, uh, you know the Flatbush Zombies was incredible. Uh, Kevin Smith, I've idolized Jean Grey, who I actually consider to be a friend um, since I was young. Uh, and I, she's one of the most talented, just period human beings on earth. Uh, gosh, I, to pick a single favorite, man, it's so tough. It, it really is so tough. It, even just having like a, somebody who's like a colleague, like, um, uh, Adam Richman, you know, like, mm-hmm. thanks for coming on my nerd show. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's so cool. Um, I don't know, you know, anybody that really just wants to hang out in a kitchen and talk with me, I'm like, what's wrong with you? So I'm really just honored by anybody uh, who can do it, especially when it's a Marvel kitchen and I'm leading the show, making terrible puns over and over and over. No, 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 no. they're not. They're not terrible. I I told Lucas because because we are known to do. Although this episode we haven't really had any, we Lucas and I do puns a lot. So I was like, if we start rolling, I was like, Justin will jump right in because he has some of the best. Whether it's on that show, like anything you're on, you're always. Making, I mean, Triple G, you're always making the puns. Well, it is, it is the lowest form of humor. So um, you know, if you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, is there anybody that you'd like to have on the show that you haven't been able to land yet? 
I mean, it'd be amazing to get somebody from the the MCU proper, um, but whatever. You know, we had uh, Lyrica Okana from Runaways, which mm-hmm. I loved. Um, yeah. It's just like a great, I always, I say it's like Gossip Girl Hero Show. I don't know. It's like this yeah. great teeny, I, like, I didn't know. It's like kind of like Riverdale or something. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's got this like very teen angst kind of vibe to it that I love. Um yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, we had CB, the editor-in-chief of Marvel, uh, on, which is like, you know, as a kid who, you know, idolized Marvel Comics and always read the editor-in-chief name, never really thought you'd be one-on-one with them. Right. Uh, ever. Um, I'm trying to think. You know, the, this is kind of maybe rude or bad, but in, in my history, like, I have a, a long kind of history of serving celebrities i was a waiter for like 15 years before i broke into food television and Mm -hmm. and cooking and so like you know having served very intense celebrities i don't really get the like oh my god i'm fanboying that they're on the show you know i'm just like well you chose to be on the show or your agent did so yeah (laughs) you know i don't know what to do other than make my show if you hate it i guess you can walk off you know i i don't i don't know i said walk off walk off <laughs> walk hard uh yeah. maybe that helps make the the episodes feel more friendly i guess like you guys are hanging out because then you you kind of feel like you're on the same level i mean i think you would want to have that approach to to you don't want to have them come on and then be you know you're just gushing the whole time it, that's a weird dynamic you know what i mean I yeah just want you to have an appreciation but yeah, so like we had Daniel Breaker from Hamilton. He plays uh, yep. uh, Aaron Burr in Hamilton. Yeah, uh, the current run, and um, I I like fanboyed on behalf of the fans. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, from Hamilton, yeah. everyone. <laughs> and he was, I think, happy that I was not actually like a fan fan rabid person who was acting weird. Yeah, he was just a guy who understood. He actually is an incredible cook. His Instagram yeah. is, is lit. Um, you know, I think he wanted to talk about food and I think I wanted to talk about food and if we overlapped in terms of like our profession, but like, God, think about, I don't know if it's like this and where you guys are, but we have a lot of New Yorkers on the show and I think New Yorkers get real tired of saying, you know, what trains they live and what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to talk about food. People eat, people like food, you know, Marvel comics. Like if you haven't seen a Marvel comics movie in the past 10 years, what have you been doing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> probably also haven't had pizza you know or or some other very common activity yeah uh with all these guests you got on the show or even without a guest do you have any good behind the scenes stories because there's got to be there's got to be some behind the scenes stories in there oh man i'm trying to think of like what i can actually (laughs) talk talk about um you can name names that'd be okay i i busted i accidentally busted one guest uh to an agent who like for some reason the agent was monitoring the guest's health, and I you know I, I don't ask these questions. Right. But the, the agent was like, "Where is the guest?" And I was like, "I think the guest is doing something very detrimental to their health at this juncture." Um, I just called it like what it was, you know, because yeah, yeah. like the person it was like a habit of theirs, mm-hmm. and so they were like, "Well, they're not supposed to be doing that." And I'm like, "Guest, I'm very sorry that I just busted you to your, you know." <laughs> mama gent over there <laughs> i just narked you yeah i just narked you i feel really bad and they were like oh don't worry about it i actually don't care um <laughs> but yeah that like 
I would prefer if, you know, you don't tell my agent when I'm doing that. And I was just like, hey, you know, I don't know. I, I thought you guys were all so rock and roll, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Other than that, man, it's we we save a lot of the outtakes and you'll see them in like some of the hype uh, things on Twitter. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll make an outtake real. I think some of the funnest stuff is when it's actually no guest and I'm just messing around with my producers and, and or, or like being rude to my one of my best friends uh, and constant partners in culinary crime. Her name's Erin Barnhart. Uh, she helped me with my first book, my second book and Eat the Universe. Um, you know, if I just hit a brick wall, I'll, I'll like, you know, throw the ball at her and bounce ideas off her. Anyway. Nice. Yeah, we did this one thing where I was uh, doing like kind of like my uh, – we call them stand and stir cooking shows host where I was being very polite and talking <laughs> softly. Uh, but I was kind of also channeling uh, she Hulk. So whenever something got me a little bit angry, I would kind of spaz out. And uh, I, I said in the video, okay, like now we'll liberally apply the egg wash. And uh, my culinary producer, Aaron is like, chef, it's not really reading is very liberal. So I like, I'm smacking this thing with the, <laughs> the brush. and like, is that reading as liberal for you, chef? You know, like just, just silly stuff. It's such a fun set. And like, I just quit vaping, um, which is kind of a big, big deal for me. Hence the uh, oral fixation toothpick. <laughs> but like during, while they're repositioning cameras or, you know, moving the lights around or something like that, like it became like this joke that I would just go hang out in Vapor's Alley, which was just <laughs> literally a chair in the corner of the set where I would just sit there and vape and check Twitter and answer texts. And like the whole team was like, chef, if you want to head to Vapor's Alley, like we'll see you in a few, you know, like it's like your green room essentially. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like, we didn't have a green room for me. We had it for yeah. the guests, you know, right, right. just the, the silliest stuff. It's just the, the show. I think that the, the reason the show is such a fun success is because it's such a fun set. And because we never ever took ourselves too seriously. Um, except when we had to, you know, like we realized like season one, maybe we could have better looking beauty shots of the food. Guess what? Season two, we do. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so just, I don't know. Marvel's they They've entrusted so much to me and they've put me with such good people. It's great. It's really awesome. great. So let's say Marvel eat the universe, you know, 10 years from now ends and it's done. No more, no more episodes. Okay. And, and you're offered the ability to do the same thing for any property, whether it's a game, movie universe, TV universe, what would it be? Oof. Um, the, my gut, which is probably true, is the uh, manga and anime Toriko. Um, it's kind of a deep cut. It's an old cut. It's about a, a guy who hunts fantastical beasts and, and eats them in an attempt to make his full course meal, uh, which is like the greatest things that he's eaten in his life. Like that's his lifelong dream is to figure out his top 12 dishes uh, in, in order. And so like, it's insane, but like, you know, a crossover episode with one piece, um, he's like on an Island with these pigs that are actually self barbecuing. And so you have to knock them out. So like the whole Island smells like barbecue because of these pigs that live there that are slowly cooking themselves. Um, and uh, you have to knock them out in one hit. Otherwise, they'll get angry and overcook themselves. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And and if you watch that that show, um, it, it just gets more and more and more fantastic. And uh, 
you know, like places where salmon roe grows on trees like grapes. To me, it like that that's my dream. You know, that is my thing. I, I kind of was talking to myself today about like maybe potentially being burned out with food. And well, this is one of the reasons that the Marvel show is so great is that I get this character that comes into my life and, and forces me to cook in a different direction that I would normally be cooking or wherever my, my own taste buds go. Mm-hmm. And, and I just kind of crave the unknown. And I think that that show, even though it's fantastical and I have no d- ability to create a self-barbecuing pig, you know, in what ways can I take that information? And, and also there are like 60 episodes and, and hundreds and hundreds of – there's one thing called Century Soup where every – this is insane. It's a glacier that froze all of these animals and vegetables and fruits in itself. And every hundred years, exactly one bowl will melt out of this. <laughs> so it creates this century consomme of ingredients that have been trapped in here. And uh, like, what would that mean to me? You know, yeah. what, what would I do? And, and so it's, it's almost impossible, but you know, if I can do Marvel for 10 years, I can, I can probably figure out. How to do I was that. Saying, you'd figure out something where some somehow melts halfway through and the flavor profile changes as you're eating the dish or something like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That show is really good. And if you're a food enthusiast, uh, like I cry. I cry every time because the, the show introduces itself with this like, I am an announcer and the show is beginning. Uh, yeah. Welcome to a place where salmon roe grows on trees <laughs> and rivers of sake flow. This is the gourmet age. And like part of me is like, that's that's where I should be. You know? You're like I want to be there. I want to go. Yeah. That's the internet. Yeah. Yes. And like I would be. And the funny thing is, the superhero himself is not a cook. He just really likes to eat. So he's got this little scrappy nerdy cook with him. And I, I know that I would actually probably, as much as I want to be Tarika, the big buff guy, <laughs> like knock out the pig in one punch. Um, and his his signature punches are fork, knife. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, it's so lit, man. I love it. Um, and he'll like travel in he'll get swallowed by an animal in order to process its organs and then he'll like exit the animal with its oh, organs. God. <laughs> so good. It's so good. Anyway, I'm done. That's what I would like to do. Oh man. Uh well let's take it from the fantastical world of anime to the real back to the real world, the dark, bitter real world. And <laughs> uh you touched on this a little bit when uh, at the beginning of this segment, if you will. How has COVID really affected the projects that you're doing? How have you had to adapt? What What is it like? Um, Well, uh, it's been a mess. Um, uh, I did a project that required me to travel to LA and I got exposed. So I had to go into lockdown for two more weeks. (sighs) Marvel Marvel has been great about giving me some digital opportunities. Um, For example, if you saw that the, uh, the box lunch line, we, I got to model it. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it is real. I, I am a model now for box lunch. Um, well, that was insane. So they had to like find a local photographer who had the qualifications to work with box lunch slash hot topic, their sister companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, he had to travel to my place and then we had to have X distance and we could only shoot it at my place because no other like food things were doing any, any shooting. Um, you know, it's just, it's been a mess and I've been doing a lot of podcasts and zoom info just to kind of keep people pumped about life. 
but in general, like it's sad, like guy has had to do all sorts of programs and I think we'll probably do like an at home version of grocery games. I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. Um, I was supposed to do grocery games, uh, in two weeks. That's obviously not going to happen. Um, mm. so I, dude, I, you know, I don't know. I'm very fortunate that like, you know, the contract for the book was signed last year. So now that, now that the book is out, like, cool paycheck, you know, like, mm. Uh, a, a couple of projects that I did with Ninja, you know, now the, hold on, hold on one sec. Hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can hang out. They might be able to see you in the mirror. Uh, can they see you? Yeah, they can. Yep, I can see you. Oh, shirt. Right. Anyway, um, that was my wife, everybody. Um, so yeah, um, you know, the projects with Ninja were, you know, cooked up, you know, uh, eight months ago. So, Staying alive with that. Um, Brooke is fortunate to work at a, a restaurant that, um, you know, is uh, distance tables and mask on service. So she's got a little pocket change coming in. But realistically, you know, like I'm so blessed to have purchased a house in South Dakota, a place where uh, it's some of the fewest cases and it's some of the cheapest living. And, you know, it's just been weird and it's just been depressing. You know, like some days I, I'm not the kind of person who wakes up and says, oh, another day. I'm yeah, like yeah. Kind of wakes up and says like what are we gonna annihilate today you know like what are we gonna do to challenge ourselves or, and challenge society but nah we're we're not we're not saying that anymore we're really saying oh another day do you and think like, maybe you've talked a little bit about how that has kind of you've you felt like maybe um food might be something that you move on from for a little bit do you think maybe that's kind of affecting that a little bit i don't know how it couldn't be you know what i mean because you can't it's like dude. no freedom Bro, I'm so tired of doing dishes. Like, I, I am so <laughs> tired of, of doing dishes. I actually used to like dishes as, like, a nice little, like, morning routine. But when you're doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner at home, you know, and, like, think about this. Like, if you have an office you go to, you might take your food there and eat it there. Or you might get a lunch somewhere if you're working. Um, and even though I don't have an office job or that sort of thing, I still might, like, you know, take my gal out for a snack for lunch one day we might go out for dinner the next and what have you the dishes are just unrelenting and also bad thing about south dakota um you know our it's not like being in new york or the east coast like you know our asian market is super small and we're blessed to have one small asian market but like it's just tough to get a variety of of food and when Mm. you're for yourself and it's 90 degrees out you know you you get mouth bored pretty darn fast so you know, I know everybody is doing sourdough. I was doing sourdough way before uh, just because I was bored in winter in South Dakota. Like, there's not a whole lot of life. So I was like, oh, I'll just create it. Um, so I started making sourdough in, like, October of last year. Then I started – I realized that the sourdough was doing its thing. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to buy some kimchi crocs and start fermenting stuff. So now I'm just, like, inundated with pickles and kimchi and any number of things. <laughs> I've just got, like – barrels of brine just like brine and it's great because you know every time i do it it kind of tastes a little different and i can kind of examine the process then i got fermenter jugs so now i'm just making my own booze and i have too much of that too and the cool thing about it is i think that um and this is really my latest passion is that uh one it takes forever so you like monitor it every day and like are you working you're working i see you my child um so that makes a little bit of a break up in the day but also the things that I'm making are all wild fermented. So I'm not using like brewer's yeast and I'm not sanitizing mm. anything. So uh, I'm tasting things that I otherwise could not be able really to mm. take because 
commercially, they're just not available. My wife's gotten really into natural wines, which follow a lot of the, the same uh, principles, which is just kind of like let nature do its thing and, and see what happens. And like ultimately, like I, I find it's like a weird circle, right? Where like we enjoy the consistency of a product, like let's just say light beer, whatever your light beer is. You enjoy the consistency, the predictability, you know, the optimal temperature of it. Mm -hmm. um, and yet it is kind of boring. But on the other end of the spectrum, you have something like this wild honey, unfiltered stuff that I'm making with random fruits that are just going bad in the drawer. And it is completely unpredictable. And I think a lot of people would say, well, it's flawed. It's not good to drink. Here's the thing. It's just different to drink. It's just unpredictable. Yeah. And so it's kind of weird that um, in high-end beverages, you know, if you guys have had like a sour beer, you know, 20 years ago, the sour beer would have been considered like a flaw in the American palate. That's true. Yeah. And now, because we're craving new and exciting things and we've all been IPA'd to death. Now it's like, you know, if you're not drinking something that's like one on the pH scale, you know, you, you know, it's like a new beer, battery acid sour. <laughs> like, you know, that, and so anyway, that's, um, you are correct in your question. And that was a long answer to it. But, um, you know, great. Uh, I, I am fortunate to have the ability within myself to kind of keep my palate uh, entertained. But still, man, maybe I want to be a weatherman. We'll see. I don't know. That'd be that'd be a strange train of events, man. I'm just waiting for that day that happens. And you're like, yeah, I'm done with I'm done with Food Network. I'm just gonna go ahead and be on the Weather Channel now instead. That works. It's gonna be like, hey, Kevin, do you want to know what the the weather is in your area? I'm not even gonna look it up, dude. I'm just gonna tell you. I'm gonna look outside. Could be good, and then I'll, I'll criticize the weather of Ghost of Tsushima, which you can control with. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't that be a great weather segment if I like oh, played a flute and then told you the weather? <laughs> Read a haiku about today's forecast. Today's forecast. <laughs> it would be. It would have to be like the weather forecast of like G4 TV, which I guess is coming back. If G4 TV comes back, you would have to be like the weather segment of G4 TV. That'd be the only way it makes sense. I mean, doesn't that sound great? It does. Like, I would love that. I would love that. And I think now that games are, are at a point where you can be so realistic in terms of time of day and weather and, you know, hell, man, sometimes I'm like Animal Crossing. Damn, it's scary with the weather patterns. Yes. Do I need to board up my windows? Um, <laughs> you know, and will they have a hurricane in Animal Crossing? I, don't I hope they do. That'd be awesome if they threw something in like that where we get crazy. I I feel like after a year, you should be able to reset your progress via hurricane. <laughs> hurricane, <laughs> via hurricane. You got to rebuild your whole house again. Oh, Tom yeah. Nook is just like, yes, let's go. You know, a know. third of your items are gone. You know, Look all those fruit trees around though. That's probably going to be the most delicious hurricane. It's going to be smoothies everywhere. <laughs> all right. Natural, naturally occurring smoothies. Right. Well, oh. in the pocket camp, juice is like a thing, right? Yeah, yeah, right. That's right. Pocket camp, you have the juices. That's right. Yeah. Um, all right, so that's all we had. Are you good with time? You got time for some quick hit? Oh yeah, of course. Questions. All right. As long as you guys have time, I'm sorry to ramble. I, dude, I got all night. I'm not. I'm not in any rush. So, um, and Lucas is just abandoning his family anyway. So it's I was gonna say, don't take my silence as like I'm seething over here. Like, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, listener questions. Most of these are quick hits, so I should go fairly quick. Haley asks, "What's your favorite thing to drink while playing video games?" Oh man, uh, coffee in the morning, um, definitely. I love a good coffee in Fortnite, where I can like, where it's like min maxing again, you know, like where I can feel the caffeine making me better until it starts making me bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that feeling. Um, exactly how I feel about beer, by the way. 
Yeah, yeah, it'd be 100%. Um, I do drink a fair amount of light beer. I've got a kegerator with uh, three taps. Uh, yeah, uh, but those brands don't pay to be in this podcast, so they won't get anywhere. <laughs> but um, they could be. Anyway, uh, so I drink a fair amount of light beer at night. Um, if I have to do like an afternoon gaming session, which is uh, I rarely game in the afternoons because I'd rather do like, you know, outdoor stuff or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, but yeah, I'll just like, I basically just drink coffee, sparkling water, and beer, period. That's it. Lucas? Nice. Um, you know, I don't know if I have like a go-to or anything, but I have had specific games uh, like The Witcher 3 comes to mind. And all of a sudden, I want to drink like a dark, heavy stout or something <clears throat> like that. You know, I'm just like, oh, I'm going to pretend like I'm in the tavern listening to some guy play a lute and drink, you know, just this the darkest, highest ABV, high-gravity beer that I can find. And that's just that's just what it goes to. But I will say if I'm gaming multiplayer and we're having like a Mario Kart party or something, it's just easiest to go with like the the soda slash liquor combo because then you can just set it all right there. You don't have to leave. I don't have to get up to get another beer because you want it cold. You know, just leave it all out, throw it together and put it in a 40 ounce big gulp or something. (laughs) It ain't fancy, but it works. Fair enough. Uh, for me, I have the same thing. Like coffee in the morning when I morning game, 6 a.m., I'm, I'm waking up, starting a cup of coffee, and then I sit down and game before I have to sign into work. Um, at night, it's either, as we all know, G Fuel for me or uh, whiskey. Mm, depending on, or depending wh- on the night. Whiskey-flavored G Fuel. Whiskey-flavored G Fuel, copyright PSVG. Um, so to flip it, Lucas flipped this question actually back on the person that asked it, and he wants to know the favorite thing to play while you're drinking. Oh, I mean, Jackbox is made for it, right? Yeah. Um, I especially love TKO. Um, oh, yeah, like, the t-shirt one. <laughs> yeah, playing TKO yep. with my mother-in-law, who like is a little bit technologically challenged anyway. So like watching her try and draw boobs while drinking. <laughs> say that right? Um, oh yeah. Anyway, that that uh, is very very uh, entertaining. Um, oddly enough, that old world game, I would get you know pretty blurry, you know, just like really going after the Babylonians, you know, like, <laughs> you know, another, another shot. If I'm going to take down the Babs, um, that's, I don't know. You'd think that I'd be drinking like a ton of sake playing ghost of Tsushima. And mm. I do have a ton of sake in the house, but, um, I've been, I've been actually playing it during, uh, the day because my wife and I will generally watch something, uh, you know, together at night. So mm-hmm. it, it's been kind of a coffee. I guess I should be drinking matcha or get my char or something like there that. There you go. Tsushima. Lucas. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't really come up too too much for me anymore. But it used to be back in the day, the rock band, the guitar oh, hero, yeah. and yeah. we'd have Halloween especially would come around, and we'd always have a uh, a party featuring that. And uh, somewhere there is a video of me singing Poker Face uh, to to very inebriated, I might add. Uh, good I love Wario wear smooth moves was always a favorite. Too. Oh yeah, up and make yourself a into a jerk. Um, but I will say when I, when I, I used to drink more, uh, I played mass effect Two pretty much completely blotto. Like I don't remember any of that game. <laughs> I was completely like, it was a dark time in my life and it was just like Canadian mist in mass effect Two. Let's go. We're staying up all night. So Oof. somebody could tell me what happened in that game. That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's a very short story, Lucas. We can catch up very easy as what happened in mass effect oh, Two. Perfect. perfect. Um, for me, Mario Kart is kind of the, the go-to for drinking. Uh, that's just a fun one to be. Uh, and we have our drunk cart nights here at PSVG all the time. Um, 
other than that, uh, Overcooked is a great one to play when you got a buzz going too. Oh, yeah. Um, because it just, I mean, it doesn't go well, but it's fun to play while you're buzzed. So, yeah, I was gonna say, it seems like it'd be a nightmare, but I guess if you're having fun, yeah, if you're laughing about it, then you don't care as much. You're not as infuriated in your partner when you're both kind of intoxicated, so it works. You know, I can't play that game, like, really, I, I, I have many times, but the problem is, I'm the chef, like, I am a chef, and I think that to play that game well, someone needs to be the, to take the orders and, and from the chef, meaning one person needs to direct the action mm-hmm. and the other mm-hmm. person needs to simply do it. And like mm-hmm. no no creative thinking from player two, and like <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't surround myself with people that are like that, <laughs> you know, like they don't want to be bossed around by me. You know? Oh, that that's what I do. Like when my family plays too. Like we, I've referenced the game so much on the show that like that's that's the game that's going to cause my divorce, because um, it just gets me. I'm the same way. Like we'll sit there and we'll look at you know we'll start a level. We'll look at okay, what do we have to cook, and then we'll restart the level. And right away I'm like, okay, I'm going to do these three things you are in charge of this and then like one of my middle daughter i'm like you're just chopping vegetables that's it like or you're just getting the the, the ingredients for us that's so i do the same thing too and I, I think they think i'm a jerk for it too but i still love playing it. and they actually my wife and i played we played a lot so why are you making the drinks i told you to chop the vegetables and yeah what daughter. are you doing a clean what's it wash the dish i was just standing there it wasn't my oldest daughter because she kind of sucks it she's actually good at fortnite now but she sucks at like all other games i literally just make her wash dishes i'm like you were getting the plates and washing them that's all you do in this game the wow. three of us will handle everything else well you as parent you have that right you know me it's as true husband, you know it's, it's just not gonna happen i can't get them to wash dishes in real life so i guess i can virtually they, they can go ahead and do that Fair. <laughs> um all right, so next question uh, came in from Garrett, and this one was actually directed towards Lucas specifically, but I want to hear Justin's thoughts here because Lucas, as I said, he's our resident baker around here. Uh, Lucas, can you describe the first dessert that pops into your head that you would make with peanut butter? All right, well, this is kind of stressful now because there's a, a real foodie on the show, but <laughs> I, uh, of course, I've had a week to think about this now. So That's true. popped in my head a week ago was basically, okay, so this is what I'm thinking. A peanut butter cheesecake. You got your your typical graham cracker crust, right? And then you do like a thin layer of chocolate cheesecake, and then a thick layer of peanut butter cheesecake, and then another thin layer of chocolate cheesecake. Take the whole thing and dip it. Or no, no, I changed it. Slice it up. Like if you're going to um, uh, serve it to somebody, slice it, then take the slice and pour that um, chocolate syrup that turns into a hard shell. Magic shell. Yeah. Put that on it and then just shotgun blast some crushed up peanut butter cups on top of it before it turns into the shell. And serve that there. And you've got basically death by peanut butter and chocolate. But it's mm. that it's, you got to get the right combination you know otherwise you're just chocolate with a little bit of peanut butter or a whole bunch of peanut butter with a little bit of chocolate no it's it's the magic ratio as it were that i'm shocked you didn't use your favorite ingredient though well and then bananas on top okay there you go that's everything lucas does is bananas in it though i make everything with bananas that's good so what what would you do justin because i don't have an answer i do zero baking at all so i'm no good so I look at baking and pastry as actually being kind of the same world because uh, a few of the things that govern baking are present in like, say, frozen treats and like dairy based confections. Mm-hmm. So for me, and this is just personal because I, I don't love, love to bake and like I don't love uh, cakes. I do like pies, but I like fruit based pies, not mm. not uh, like I'm not like a, you know, a chocolate pie that make me a chocolate cake, you know, anyway. Yeah. Um 
I I don't think that the best peanut butter ice cream thing has been invented yet. And like, I'm the kind of guy where I like me some of that peanut butter stuff that you might find at like the, uh, you know, the place that has the very thick uh, ice cream things and they turn them upside down to prove to you how thick they are. Yep. That place, like, um, you know, I like some of their peanut buttery stuff, but I still just don't find that the ratio is right. So I actually think that like a, uh, a peanut butter heavy trail mixy sort of ice cream. Mm. For example, there's a, a famous uh, ice cream company that has an ice cream that has peanut butter pretzels. I like this combination, but there's it's then too chocolatey to offset this. Mm-hmm. I, I, I quest for the perfect peanut butter frozen treat. I think banana has a place in there as well. You know, like in trail mix, you get those banana chips, yep. but you get the banana chips, but you never get the peanut butter chips. What's going on here? Oh, something's Someone, left out. Yeah, someone says, yeah, there's something always left out. And I, I think that with trail mix as a guide, but with peanut butter as backbone, we can make an ice cream that that really strikes the uh, fancy of people who like peanut butter. I feel like Eat the Universe Season 3 needs to have somehow a peanut butter ice cream dessert infused for, to somebody. Maybe for Squirrel Girl, no problem. Oh, dude, that's perfect. Oh, it'd be so good. All right. Um, Paul Calico asks that he's a big comic book fan, so he's got some good ones. But the first thing he asks, he has two questions. What's the strangest ingredient you've ever used? Mm, it's kind of a cop out, but it like goes into like those weird, uh, you know, molecular gastronomy compounds. Mm-hmm. Um, transglutaminase is weird. Um, it denatures meat proteins and allows them to like bind to other meat proteins. So it's like meat Velcro. Hmm. Um, <laughs> That's a little weird. Um, you know, fertilized duck eggs, uh, you know, but it, I don't like calling that sort of thing weird because that's a staple food in some countries. Right. Um, you know, it's weird to the American palate, but like to the other half of the world, you know, no big deal. Um, you know, I think things are just nothing's really weird. Things are just more common than others. And, and sometimes they're weird in the way in which you describe them, like meat Velcro yeah. or, or like fetal duck, you know, like no one wants to hear that. No. Yeah, but it's delicious. It's like a soup and a sandwich, all in one thing. A crunchy sandwich. I still can't get over meat Velcro. That would have been the episode title if we didn't already have one made for the artwork. <laughs> my new gamer tag, I think. Meat right. Um, so Paul's second question, he's a huge Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fan. So he says, since the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are loosely tied to the origin of Daredevil, as you know, have you ever thought about a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle-inspired food? Well, it's tough. Um because they, they are so pizza centric, right. you know what I mean. Um, mm. It really is tough. Um, I mean, there are a bunch of other things that I think TMNT could explore. You know, like Splinter's got so much like Japanese stuff going on with him, and there's so much going on like Usagi Yojimbo. You know, no, literally yep. means like bodyguard rabbit. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it's also weird to me. I, I don't really love making food based around animal characters where you would then end up like, I don't want to make turtle soup. You know, that's what like shredder would do. But yet in Japan, like consuming turtle is not the weirdest thing. Like I accidentally purchased, I thought it was an energy drink, but it was actually like some like turtle juice for health and well-being. God (laughs) (laughs) really didn't taste that bad, but um, you know, we were all very alarmed. Yeah. So you probably better off not knowing and just thinking it was an energy drink before. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't know. I think it would be fun to do a line of pizzas 
inspired by the various weirdo characters you know like mm. i actually found i don't remember him from like the animated series growing up but i found a ninja turtle character that is a, a pizza chef that looks like totally disgusting he's got like a peg leg and um rest his soul i, I tweeted out that this is what carl ruiz's final form would look like oh. and uh, <laughs> i don't you can look him up like just like weird pizza chef teenage mutant ninja turtles yeah i need to look this up now yeah, but like, what would that guy's ultimate pizza look like? What would Shredder's ultimate pizza look like? You know, what would Krang's ultimate pizza look like? Can I do, you know, a perfectly pinkly cured sweetbread to look like brains and put it in the very center of this pizza that is, you know, like that big uh, hulking bot thing that he was in? Yeah. You know, wh- what does the Foot Clan look like and why is it all eggplant? You know, like... <laughs> I don't know. I just think a series of pizzas, given that pizza is kind of the backbone food of the show and of the, the comics and of the manga and whatnot. I, I think that a series of pizzas, a perfect pizza for every character would be very fun. I found the character, but I can't find who's known as pizza face, but later on, the pizza series, face, that's it. But later on, he changes basically into um, pizza, the hut from Spaceballs. So there's like two versions of them. One is the exactly how you describe it, like a peg leg. And then later on, it's literally like Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs, where he's just a giant mound of cheese and stuff. So I guess they reinvented him in the newer series, you know, not the OG one, but I digress. Well, yeah, you know, I don't know. Tell them to uh, call me. <laughs> I'm sure we can make something fun. Well, we're on it. Uh, Grouchy asks, will your cookbook give him the ability to kill like Deadpool or look like Endgame Thor? Um... Probably more of the Endgame Thor, except you probably won't have any of like the um, depression and sadness. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't really. You might learn some knife skills uh, that could be beneficial if you're looking for a career as the merc with a mouth. Um, but yeah, in general, like this is all very special occasion food. Um, and so, like for example, the meat Mjolnir, like you're probably <laughs> going to make that twice in your life. Um, because otherwise, like calorically, like you're just going to be so spoiled. Oh yeah, but it's a great showpiece. Like imagine making that for somebody. I'm like, oh, his meat Molnir. Like it's crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. And Lucas, just, just, it's exactly what you think it is. Like okay. it is insane. I just want to be able to tell somebody check out my meat Mjolnir. You know, yeah. and it goes well I, with your meat Velcro. <laughs> exactly. <Why not? laughs> so much um, meat. So non non food related one. Well, I guess technically it kind of is in a weird way. Seth wants to know Calvin and Hobbes or peanuts. Oh man, um, good question. I think uh, it's like how do I explain this? Um, like Calvin and Hobbes until you're forty. Peanuts after. Oh, because mm. like I think Calvin and Hobbes has this. Um, it's like a little bit more acerbic, you know, I think they're both like very like sagely and th- that they present uh, very worldly advice in a very unique way. But I think Calvin and Hobbes is like a little bit more bleak. Yeah. Um, I think peanuts really wants to be this kind of super wholesome thing and present you with some of the challenges of life, but do it in a way that is a little bit less um, abrasive and uh, calling Calvin and Hobbes abrasive is hard, but how are you going to differentiate the two in terms of yeah. the message they put out? No, it's, it's yeah. true. I, I also find it funny how you're referencing something like after 40 and none of us are 40. Right. I'm not so. 40 yet either, but I feel <laughs> you're like, just after- like I'm going to give up on Calvin and Hobbes the day, the day. Well, I done. feel like after 40, you've kind of given up there on, you know, maybe you haven't given up, but I feel like a lot of people give up on changing the facts of life 
they simply deal more with navigating the facts of life. And I think that Peanuts is more about navigating the facts of life. Um, the, uh, Calvin and Hobbes is like a little bit more about like, can we change the facts of life? Mm. That's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, I, I, oddly enough, I agree with you. That wasn't the answer I was going to have going in, but you're right. Cause I would say like, I like reading Calvin and Hobbes over peanuts, but then you have peanuts is always like that safe space. And while nobody likes it, you have to watch the peanuts holiday special at Christmas time, or it's the great pumpkin Charlie Brown. Nobody likes those anymore at all, but yet you have to watch it anyway, just because it's it's tradition. It's comfort food. Yeah. I like them. Lucas, you agree, or, or are you, you going to go rogue on us? I here? mean, I can't say it any better. I, I don't know. I've never really grew up with either of them, honestly. I read a little bit of Calvin and Hobbes when it was the uh, the collection, or, or you mm. know, you'd often get the the thick books. And uh, I don't know. I was more of a family circus guy myself. Ah, okay. No, just like just... Tracing, tracing the little kids running around, you know, <laughs> yeah. going up the ladder, you know? Marmaduke. Marmaduke. Oh, God. Uh, so I was a Garfield guy overall. I read all the books every time they came out. Um, Takeda wants to know what game would you erase from your memory and play again for the first time? Shoot, man. That's a really difficult question. Uh, gosh. I, offhand, I'd, I'd probably say Breath of the Wild. Um, you know, the, the sense of wonder that that game gives you and the sense of discovery. You know, once you beat a shrine one way and you figure it out, you're like, eh, I remember that. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. it, it, it's never going to be the same as the first time you do it. And it, you never get that same sense of satisfaction. And once you've gotten all the shrines, you know, I still haven't beaten that game because I love it so much. I don't want it to end. Oh, wow. Yeah, I refuse to beat it. Uh, Brooke is like, I'm going to go hunting all the Koroks. Um, oh, God. Yeah, oh, she's no. doing it. She's doing it. For the golden poop. Yeah. It's it's <laughs> weird. I'll be like playing some, you know, violent samurai game. And then I'll just hear like from, you know, the corner of the couch. Yeah. Ha, ha. <laughs> I love that. Then. <laughs> yeah. Um, that would be it. I, I wish that I had the um, I'd love to go back and play Final Fantasy uh, three or six, whatever you want to call it. Um, but also having the attention span or lack thereof. I don't know what it was that allowed me to play that game. Oh, God, yeah. You know, like back then, I guess it's because not, it was a simpler time when random encounters didn't stress me out. You. They do <laughs> sure. now. Yep. Um, that would probably be one of them. Um, also, you know, it was kind of weird. My, my first real Pokemon game, you know, I knew that I had all the information, my like knowledge. You know, I could name probably more Pokemon than the average person, but I really love playing... Uh, x and y um as like my first dive in pokemon game and honestly the games after that just haven't stuck with me as much and i don't know why i don't know why Mm. i love i like them you know but x and y to me had this real sense of discovery and of wow and of like what is this i think there were so many new mons that i thought were so like well designed that Mm. it was just it was really fun to me no, it makes sense. Um, for me, like Final Fantasy three was a great answer because that's one of my favorite games from back then. Was just like, but you're right. I don't know. I can go back and play it now. Um, but for me, Earthbound would be the one for me because I just I freaking love that game and and I've played it so many times that I'd love to just experience it again for the first time as I did back. I mean, geez, ninety mid nineties. So yeah. I, I would love to go back and play that one again for the first time. Nice. Um, I think for me, when I read this question, what immediately came to mind was uh, Dead Space 2, actually. Mm. And I think 
it's a good game. It's it, perhaps even one of the greats when it comes to the the horror survival genre. But I think it also was kind of the last hurrah before I had more responsibility in life. I remember I didn't work that day and I was working thirds at the time. So I was just like up all night and I just played the heck out of this game like eight or 10 hours straight when it first came out. And like just having that feeling where you didn't really have to worry about anything and you're just playing a game and not really thinking about anything, even, you know, this was, I was 20 something. So it's not like it was really that long ago, but before kids, you know, before yeah. a house and, and all that stuff, uh, that would be a good feeling to have back again. But also what came to mind is Skyrim because I have not beaten that game, but I've started it like 20 times. And if I could just forget the start of that, that stupid snow ride with the, the horse carriage oh, yeah, and everything yeah. for yeah. 20 minutes and you stand in line and tell me what you look like. Oh, to do that all over again for the first time. I've, I've never played either of those. So that's a good thing. And like, confession i don't think i've ever made it out of like the first i don't think I've, it's onet right i don't think yep. i've ever made it out of onet Ooh. in in earthbound and like i i know roughly what goes on what happens and yeah. how the, all the weird stuff you know the game is just weird mm -hmm. um yeah. but i don't know there's this is the thing is like i also kind of don't want to know because i kind of want to be able to come to it and be like oh i see what everybody was talking about yeah but maybe you know Earthbound hype, sadly, is or for better or worse, I should say, is never going to die. You know, until they yeah. release Mother Three, you know, um, we're never going to hear the end of how uh, amazing Earthbound is. But thankfully, you know, I have so much more Earthbound to play. That's true. You know, and like I don't mm -hmm. know what it's like to beat uh, Breath of the Wild, and I probably never going to know. Blissfully ignorant. That's yeah, do it. it is. So, next question. I know the answer to this one, but I think a lot of listeners may not know. When do we get Justin officially into the MCU? Uh, when they'll have me. Um, we'll see. I, if you know the answer more than I, more than when they'll have me, I would like to know the answer. Well, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say MCU, but the MU. You're in the MU. I am in the MU, yeah. I'm in the comics universe, yes. Right. Um, roughly, as a uh, character named uh, the Raging Chef. And this was a, a character that we designed uh, for their show called Make Me Hero. And this is a character that uh, is uh, can manipulate um, induction, essentially. So it's an electromagnetic heating uh, when he's angry. And so it's kind of like a little bit Hulk, a little bit Magneto, a little bit Human Torch, kind of all in one. And uh, I have a lot of plans for that character. It's actually on my uh, list of pipe dreams on the whiteboard that you can just see barely over this shoulder right there. But uh, Raging Chef, I have a lot of plans for that. And I think that that might be one of those things where, you know, maybe I'm not making food every day, but maybe Raging Chef is. But, you know, I got to get um, – there would have to be so much stuff. And, like, I'm, I'm a decent-ish writer. But, like, I can't compare with some of the people that work in Marvel, and I can't compare with, you know, some of these stories. You know, like, Ta-Nehisi Coates doing uh, Black Panther, uh, the recent um, run of, of like, X-Men with uh, Hickman. Yeah. You know, like, you know, what am, what am I going to bring to this table, you know? Hickman needs to have me on speed dial when he's writing his food thing. And I'll yeah. be like, hey, what's a food? <laughs> That's a food. There you go. You know, like. I don't partnership, know. partnership. Just find a partner, make it happen. 
We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, so last question we have from listeners. What is Justin's favorite recipe from the cookbook? Eat the universe. Uh, it, it varies day to day, but uh, you never forget your first. And I think the first thing that we really did as a, a bona fide Eat the Universe show was the uh, hot chicken dish uh, representing uh, Phoenix and Cable. So it's a Nashville hot chicken, but done in the style of the Japanese Oyakodon, which means family bowl. Um, some people would say mother and child bowl. Some people say chicken and egg bowl. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, you, you can fact check me on that. But the cool thing about it is generally it involves chicken. It involves egg. It involves being in a bowl. Um, and so we made Nashville hot chicken with an egg. Amazing. We put it over rice even better. Cause it kind of like gives you some respite from the, uh, um, the heat mm-hmm. and we added pickles to it and like pickles and rice is kind of a no brainer and pickles and hot chicken is like the law and it was great. And it was not just delicious food that honored the characters, but, uh, it really, I thought represented the characters well. Cause you know, yes. Phoenix is like a flaming bird. And that's kind of like when I was like, damn. Maybe we got it. We got yeah. it. I think we got it. <laughs> it. It really was like, and I use the example all the time. It's it's one of the smartest interpretations you did. Like right off the bat, where you're like, this makes total sense if you know the history of the characters. Like at surface level, you might not. You're like, oh, hot chicken because Phoenix is a bird. But it's like, no, Cable is her son. Yeah. The egg. Like it just it just makes so much sense. It's awesome. Thanks, man. All right. So that wraps up the question. So just two quick stories I want to talk about here, and and hopefully you have some knowledge of it here. Um, Marvel's Avengers game. You've been following that at all? I have. I have. I'm very excited to, uh, I, I pre-ordered it obviously because yeah. I, I'm excited about it. Um, I know nothing about it, so don't even try. Um, ah, but okay. mostly I'm excited about getting the Hulk mitts in Fortnite. Have you guys I, heard about this? Yes. That was, that was revealed as part of the story. Uh, this week they did the war table where if you play through the beta, you will get the Hulk hands and, uh, Hulk buster hands in Fortnite. I mean, Hulk buster. Great. Hulk hands? Yes, please. Like, yes, please. Like, think about it. Like, instead of getting axed, you're getting punched. Like, <laughs> I'm very excited about that. You're getting smashed. Yeah. So, yeah. um, what about the Avengers game? What do you want to know? Well, no, so, I mean, so they just did the war table, another war table, which they're kind of doing as like their mini presentations to give you some details in the game. That Fortnite was one of the announcements that the beta is coming uh, in August. If you pre-ordered the game on PlayStation, you'll be able to play it early. And then, like, uh, we'll see. Uh, pre-order beta for PlayStation is available August 7th. If you pre-ordered on um, Xbox, you get it later on to play through. Uh, the open betas are there through. Basically, so it's almost the whole month of August, you'll be able to play this game ahead of time and experience all the different modes, some of the different characters get introduced and kind of just get a feel for how this game is going to work. But the exciting you know, main points that they highlighted was Number one, if you complete the beta, you get the, the Fortnite hands, uh, which is fun. And I'll have to make sure I do that as well. Um, but the second thing was they unveiled their first post-launch character. Hawkeye, right? Yep. Yeah. And he looks great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm excited about all of this. And um, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm a little, I'm a little sketch that I don't know what is gameplay and not gameplay anymore. Um, I think, uh, you know, there is a problem and maybe we should like, address this as a big problem in gaming in general. I, I think gaming and fans are, are kind of going two ways where like some people want their movies to be their games and their games to be their movies. And some people are like, I would actually, things are too crazy now. I'd prefer to, you know, eight bit or whatever, yeah. and I, you know, or like a retro style game. And I think there's never been more retro gaming options, nor have there been more games that play as if they are a movie. Uh, for better or worse. 
this game, I, I, I don't know. I think some people were like, oh, those characters look mighty weird, but they can't, you can't put, you know, Robert Downey Jr. in a video game without paying Robert Downey Jr. to be in the video game. Right. right? There's a reason we got Norman Reedus in, uh, you know, in Death Strand. <laughs> you know, he got to promote his show in the shower. And I also think Norman Reedus is perfect for that game, but I digress. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be able to do that. So I think a lot of people are like, these characters look weird. Yeah, and and I thought that too. The initial trailer we had at E3 last year when they first showed it, I was one of the first things I said. I'm like, wow, these guys just they didn't look. It wasn't that I was expect. I mean, part of your brain at this point, we've been dealing with Marvel movies for a decade now. Like we just associate like, hey, Iron Man looks like Robert Downey Jr. That's just how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm able to separate that, but some of the character models just look bad. But since then, these two war table conferences they've done since then, I think the character models look a lot better, and the level of customization you have with your characters is. You can change that. So if you don't like the version of Thor, like the beard looks weird. Cool. You don't need the beard. You can customize it however you want. And they're dipping into some deep cuts in the comics um, to bring up different character models and stuff you can do, whether it's Kamala Khan or, or Hawkeye. There's all these different Hulk versions, Gray Hulk, you know, all these different things in here. It's it dips into a huge base of the Marvel history, which is awesome. And I mean, you got MODOK as the main villain. So that's awesome too. with aim. Like, yeah. I'm 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 excited about all of it. I think that it's it's going to be great. I, I think that uh, anybody who's naysaying it is like, guys, like Square Enix, Marvel, okay, like okay, I think we'll be all right. Like, right. Yeah. You know, something tells me that they're not gonna. This is the first Square Enix Marvel collaboration ever, correct? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But like Square Enix has worked with Disney with Kingdom Hearts, right? Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. I, I never got into that, but I know that the people who love it love it, and the people who don't don't. Yep. But, I mean, how many Kingdom Hearts games have there been? Tons, right? Oh, yeah. So, obviously, they're a happy couple, and the fans of that series are, are happy, the Disney Square Enix thing. I really think it's going to work out, and I think we'll all be fine. Um, I'm, I'm just excited. like, And I, I'm yeah. curious to see what is the gameplay, because I don't think anybody exactly knows what that's going to look like just yet. Yeah, I mean, they, they showed in this conference a little bit of how these different missions go through like some are going to be story-based missions some are going to be war zones they call them uh the harm challenge rooms are there so you got the augmented reality like practice rounds that they can go through um so there's different things here but i think the gameplay overall is going to feel very much like i know some people grown and this this comparison made a lot to like destiny we mm-hmm. have these different events and these points in the map you can drop in into a mission at any point i feel like it's going to be similar to that but the cool thing is you're leveling up your team as you go along. So even if you're not playing with other people, you can have, you know, your team of four, whichever characters you want to pop in there, but they're actually your versions of those characters. So if you've grinded way in Hulk for a long time and you have all these great buffs and, and character, you know, enhancements or customizations, and then you decide, well, I want to play as Iron Man for a while, but you still take Hulk with you. That iteration of your Hulk is there. Uh, so I he like has this. all the same abilities, and everything there. So you can really like level up your whole team, even though it doesn't play. So it's kind of like a, an old school JRPG, but you're not actually having to control the characters. Like it's kind of just that weird thing. Hmm. We'll all upgrade together. We'll be enhanced together and you can infuse, you know, a combination of your bot characters and your friends playing. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited about that. I think that's one of the things that I think square took away from final fantasy 15 and just never like really implemented. And I think yeah. we said this way back when was uh-huh. like, I actually thought the AI of those characters playing with you, you know, gladio and, and, and yep. photo boy and uh, chef man. Yeah. Um, Ooh, I actually should have. I mean, it would have been so good in my pre-haircut, <laughs> my corona haircut. But um, anyway, 
I thought that that AI was actually nice, and I hmm. liked it. And I thought when you teamed up with them accidentally to do a move, like that was great, and it yeah. felt cool, and it looked awesome. I can only imagine if they apply that to this with that four man hero whatever team what that's going to look like and that's all that i have hoped for from the beginning of this is that a single player experience will feel that exciting if you could switch between characters holy moly um and then mentioning that you can then grind a certain character to, to level them up man i think that's going to be a really exciting experience you know Absolutely. The the other news here, and Lucas, I want to hear your thoughts on this one first once we get through it. So yeah. you just finished Spider-Man not that long ago for the first time. So obviously the hot topic since the PS5 debut, un- unveiling, if you will, has been Miles Morales coming to PS5. Mm-hmm. Uh, newest, latest rumors. So I know this game has been kind of a, uh, I hate to say because I'm excited for it, but it's been a mess publicity-wise, where they were like, oh, it's going to be a really short game. And they're like, no, no, it's actually a full-fledged game, or there's been a lot of back and forth. The latest rumor is that it's actually going to include a remaster of the original Spider-Man in it as well, which makes sense because everything we've seen has been, like, for the PS5 things, they're showing, like, hey, they have zero load times. Every time they showed you, they showed Spider-Man and all those previews. So they have to have yeah. some sort of build available for it. Um, so now this may calm some naysayers and maybe get people who haven't played Spider-Man which I don't know, people don't know what you're missing if you haven't played Spider-Man yet, um, but get to play that on the PS5 version as well on top of the Mile Morales game. Hmm. I mean, I think that's a smart move. It, it definitely helps in the, the PR category for sure. But if that is the case, I mean, you see throughout the game the the steps to this this happening like this reality that it eventually gets to. And if you could just go from, for the people who missed out or are waiting for the PS five or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. who haven't played it, if they can go from that story into miles Morales, all the better really, because it's all kind of connected. And mm-hmm. so if you need that, that kind of uh, value for dollar lift, to get you over the edge there, then sure. Why not? And with, you know, where we're at in consoles right now, it kind of makes sense that they would even do that anyway, bring some of those good looking games over, give it a little bit of a facelift. Cause I mean, come on, the game looks pretty good. I know the water, the water fiasco, Watergate, if you will. <laughs> puddle, puddle, uh, gate. puddle gate. Maybe we'll get those puddles now. Ooh, PS5, you know, next gen. We want next gen. Next gen is puddles. Okay. We're going to ray trace the hell out of those puddles. That's right. Not too many, though, because otherwise it'll be running at 30 frames per second. And that is also the devil these days. So that is true. That is true. Yeah. So, so it also goes to give some credence to this rumor is that this was reported in Game Informer as well. So it's not like this is just Ooh. some Twitter bot saying, hey, this is what I've heard. This was in the new issue of Game Informer says that it isn't, you know, while Miles Morales isn't a sequel, it's more akin to Uncharted Lost Legacy, where it's a smaller experience just featuring Miles, but it does come with an updated version of the first game bundled in as well. So makes me wonder if some of it might be like during the time that you were playing Spider-Man during that time, maybe you get to see some of his perspective as well. And maybe that's why they felt the need to include mm. it all together. Maybe. So Justin, you, you primed to do some uh, Miles web slinging? Yeah, I um, and you know, I have very, I have no criticisms of the original Spider-Man game uh, at, at all. Um, I only have ideas, you know, uh, of what I think would be even more over the top. You know, you have that, you have the sandbox there already. Yeah. The sandbox mm-hmm. of New York is built 
Mm-hmm. I, I saw no reason why you couldn't have other characters or you couldn't be playing as villains or, you know, it, I'm, I'm not a game designer. Maybe that is uh, impossible. But I felt like if you could reskin Spider-Man so many times and have so many suits yeah. and so many different abilities, I would still I would pay an additional $20 to just fly around as Iron Man and shoot the, the you know, the various organizations that are fighting on the ground. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I would do that. Um, I, I will be a little teeny tiny bit bummed if if Miles doesn't get because Miles is beloved. Yeah. And so I, I would really love to see something super fleshed out for him. Um, yeah. And not just like a like, I don't want this to be DLC. You know, I would like it to feel as though this is a big, big movement forward uh, for Miles as a character. I think Miles might be a little bit more relatable to today's audience in today's, you know, socioeconomical <laughs> climate, whatever you call it, not to get too political, but yeah, I think that story is, might be a little bit deeper, you know, might hit a, a few more strings chords mm. with the, the folks and, you know, that, yeah. that's important too, you know, well, you can say something. I also feel like, you know, um, if you're just diving into like, I would buy Spider-Man as a game simply because the game is good. Not just because of Marvel, not just because of Spider-Man. It yeah. is simply an entertaining game to play. Mm-hmm. That is, it's just a dream. That's another game that I haven't beaten and won't beat. You know why? Cause it just like swinging around like, because it's fun. I'll boot it up. I have it digitally on the PS4 pro. I'll boot it up when, you know, I just want to do something for 15 minutes and enjoy myself doing it. Mm-hmm. That said though, you know, like my, I just really feel like, Miles' story deserves to be told via video game. You know, we've been playing Spider-Man video games since Atari. Yeah. Not not Miles games. And yeah. That's that's Very my true. only thing. You know, I once again, I don't think they're gonna mess this up. That's just me. Yeah, I don't think so either. So it'll be exciting, exciting fall for us Marvel fans for sure. Well, we may not have the movies going on right now because of uh, COVID and a lot of fun stuff, but we're uh, certainly getting some games to satisfy that there. Um, so that's really all I had there, um, Justin. So, I mean, if you want to, uh, you know, plug anything, anything where people should be checking out, I mean, obviously boxlunch.com has all the eat the universe, uh, merch here. Lucas wants the apron. I'm We're talking about the apron. I'm buy- I need an apron. I'm buying the apron. It's awesome. Mm, chef's I, kiss. I put it through the test, dude. It, it also folds perfectly to make a half apron. If you would I like to not have the thing and yeah. the pockets still stay functional. They're right below the fold line. So that is awesome. It's, yeah, it also works as a decent cape. <laughs> That'll make a very good uh, superhero costume. You know, my yeah. routine. I can just go the other way. I, I, I feel bad for your wife. I just imagine you just running around the house with your Eat the Universe cape. And that is it. Only the cape. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I mean, pretty much that's that how we do. Why not? Why not? No, you guys have actually uh, done so much to hype up all my stuff. I really don't have anything else to plug. Um, I, I really appreciate all you guys do for having me on. And in general, I just uh, I like the the work that you guys do and the way in which you uh, discuss and talk about video games in a way that is, uh, you know, critical yet positive, you know, moving things forward, but uh, with conscious and with opinion. It's good. I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. But yeah, so boxlaunch.com. Check out the Eden Universe merch is there. I will point out, Justin, the pop vinyl is gone. That thing's I gone. I know, I know. It comes back periodically, but I, I, I don't have any information on it. Uh, I've got two coming in the mail, one for my mother-in-law, one for my uh, my sister-in-law. And then I've got the one that they sent me. Yep. 
and that's it. So I'm I'm happy about that. That's a success if you ask. Oh yeah, me. I got mine. Mine's coming. I mean, when when it's released, I know it's not coming out for another couple of weeks, but yeah, got mine in order. So I'm glad I secured that 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 night that those things launched. I had to grab that there. Um. So obviously, yes, everyone. Once again, Marvel's Eat the Universe, the cookbook available on Amazon.com. It's also on Box Lunch as well. So grab that. Um. Yeah, Justin, where can people follow you on social media though if they want to stay in touch with you? I am Eat Fellow Humans pretty much uh, across the board, and uh, you can reach me. Uh, at any of those things, and if you're curious about something else, like a gamer tag or you know my battle.net or something like that, you can just hit me up. All right. Lucas, where can people find you, sir? Yeah, I'm hanging out on our Discord as usual. You can catch me out there and just doing whatever, bringing random to every channel, as I say. And then I'm also on Twitter at heavy metal underscore riff, and probably you know all the other stuff, Instagram, whatever. Not doing a lot these days on social media. Social media is too much. It's it's almost a vacation just to not turn the phone on you know what i mean i wish i knew what you meant <laughs> i can't imagine having it be part of my job it's a brand it's a brand brand awareness yeah. um you can follow the site obviously at psvg on twitter head over to the website psvg.blog to find links to all the awesome stuff all the other great shows available on the network links to the discord links to the patreon speaking of which i have to thank our patreon producers so special thank you to edwin Callow, barry cathcart josh the bone barboni devin tyus chris McElfresh, kyle Hammond, paul calico mike masick zach bradshaw and nick fahaba thank you for your support and if you want to support us head over to patreon.com slash psvg so thank you again so much, Justin, for having some fun with us and talking about all things Marvel, nerddom, food, just everything. It's great to have you on. Always a pleasure, guys. All right. So thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you, hopefully, for telling a friend. But most importantly, we ask that you never stop playing talking. video games. This has been a PSVG production. Any music, sound effects, or the like is owned by their respective copyright holders. No infringement is intended. The views expressed in this production are those of the individual contributor and may not necessarily reflect PSVG. This production may not be repurposed, reused, or redistributed without the express written consent of PSVG. PSVG is powered by patrons at patreon.com PSVG. Become a patron to get special perks, including access to exclusive content.